Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. What's up, Knight fans? Sons of UCF is proudly presented by the law firm of Gordon and Partners. Since 1993, Gordon and Partners have been dedicated to the pursuit of justice for those who have been wrongfully injured at no fault of their own. It's important that you get legal advice from somebody you trust, so contact UCF alum Michael Hoffman directly if you have any legal needs or questions. Visit their website, fortheinjured.com, or text 407-913-5350 to talk to Michael directly. Don't just trust anybody. Trust the best. And trust the night. Gordon and Partners. For the Injured. This is the Sons of UCF, the number one place for UCF sports, with your distinguished host, Adam. Let's all get together and see who can solve the wordle the fastest. And Mike. You know, last year, I think I said about 30 people in the UCF, Sons of UCF group. Let's try to double that. Let's try to get 50. Now, here are the guys. All right, welcome in, friends. Sons of UCF, episode number 212, I believe, if my math is right. We're brought to you by Gordon and Partners. We're part of the 1012 Network and the Sports Strength Family Podcast. My name is Adam. And as always, my friend and yours, Mr. UCF Mike, back again for yet another week. Greetings, Michael. How are you? I am fantastic. You know, had a nice weekend this past weekend watching some football. Um NFL is coming down to an end. It was a nice last week of football there. We got the playoffs coming up this week. We had the national championship game last night. What a dog of a game that was. <laughs> Did you stay up to watch any of that? Or? Uh, halftime, your boy was out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know why. I saw like the first play, a couple plays of the third quarter, but I went straight to bed after that too. Um, can we get that TCU in the Big 12 next week? I, next year, I think we can beat that team. Or is Georgia just that good? That's a good question, man. I think Georgia was going to steamroll a lot of teams. I know they didn't play well against Ohio State and they had to come from behind, but I feel like Georgia was was going to beat a lot of teams. Um, TCU, I think they're you know, on a, if you're asking my analysis here, I think the moment was just too big for them. I think they weren't prepared, they weren't ready. Georgia hit them in the mouth, and before you knew it, it was twenty four seven, and there's no coming back from that. Uh, and I'm, I don't get me wrong. I think TCU would have kicked their ass this year, but we could have put up a better fight than that last night, right? You think we we score? More than 70, we think we hold them to less than 65? Is that possible? I don't want to answer this question. It depends <laughs> which which half of the season shows up here, which team shows up. I think it's a 50-50 chance either way, frankly, right? I mean, I feel like Gus would throw a couple of wrinkles in there here and there. 
I feel like, you know, TCU, from what I saw, didn't commit to the running game very often. I think Gus would certainly commit to the running game. Um, but Georgia just has athletes everywhere. Like even even JRP is typically the best athlete on the field. I don't know against that Georgia defense. He would have been, you know, maybe the top five athletes on that field. I think that's just that's just how Georgia rolls. Plus, um, Andy on Twitter, UCFXOS, is doing a nice job showing they just confused TCU. TCU just wasn't ready to play on certain plays, and Georgia's ran formations, got them off their off their game before he knew it. You know, things just kind of steamrolled. I would hope Gus would be able to figure that out, but I've seen Gus do some crazy stuff, Mike. I think he also showed a lot of plays that they ran that are similar to what Gus runs. It just so happens that they have the best players in the country. And when you have those guys, it's a lot easier to run those plays. And they're a lot. So that's what it's like when the play works. Got it. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. We wouldn't be yelling about a screen pass if it goes for 35 yards. We we would not be would not be yelling about a lot of things, Mike. Not a lot to yell about tonight. Kind of a quiet news week in UCF. We'll do some headlines here at the top. Uh, I've got a little guilty, not guilty for UCF. Mike, we'll talk some hoops. We'll do cow of the week, Mike. And then interview. We're back on the interview trail. This week's conversation with former kicker Daniel Obarski, uh, which is one that we've done a lot of interviews around here, Mike. We've had a lot of guys tell us a lot of things. Um, I, I absolutely left that interview with Daniel Obarski thinking differently than I, when I went into it and more times than not, we just hear about the fun stuff, the memories and kind of reaffirm some stuff. He actually changed my mind and, and shared some things and, and almost taught us some things in that, and that 45 minute conversation I didn't know about. So stick around for that. I think you'll all enjoy the, uh, the Obarski conversation, Mike, but let's get rolling with headlines of which there are not that many. Uh, we had two new booms over the weekend, Mike uh, Jair Wilson, a 6'3", 220 pound safety, potentially maybe linebacker, transfers in from ECU. I think at this point we're supposed to make the joke that he has the playbook already, so he's a step ahead, so we'll get that joke out of the way. And wide receiver Trent Whittemore, who is a UCF legacy, from uh, transfers in from Florida, Mike. So two new booms replacing two old booms. Antonio Greer and Christian Leary, hardly knew you, already decommit from UCF. Greer follows T. Will over to Arkansas. Leary decides to go to Georgia Tech at the last minute, Mike. So uh, two out, two in in the transfer portal. Give me your analysis here. Did we net a win? What do we do with this? I don't know what we got because who knows if these guys are going to be here two weeks from now. We just had this Leary kid. Oh, we just got him. We were all excited. Receiver sure. from Alabama. Okay. Yeah. This is exactly what we want, and he's not even going to sniff the field, not even going to enroll, not, nothing. He's never yeah. at night. And so I don't know what to feel about these two kids that are coming in. I, sure. Well, I think we should be good there because classes started for UCF on January 9th. You and I are talking January 10th. I read someplace ad drop is this Friday, which would be the 14th. So I got to think these two are on campus now. And in, in classes of some sort, which means they're enrolled, which means they're part of the program, I think. Although I guess if another school doesn't start till next week, I guess they could leave and go to that school. So, yes, we're probably screwed until February. Yeah, they could drop their classes to the 14th. You just said that. <laughs> That's fair. So, you know, good point. Good point. Who, who the heck knows? But, um, you know, we have to replace the players that are leaving. We lose two guys, we pick up two guys. Not same exact positions, right? Um, a linebacker and a safety. I mean, I guess depending on on the defense that T will, or oh, sorry, not T will. Addison Williams is going to run. You know, maybe maybe that safety, uh, depending on his size, is able to play linebacker. Maybe we'll ask him to do that. Um, but I do want somebody to ask him straight up, honestly. Did you guys have the playbook in that game? We, somebody has to ask him whether he's going to be honest and tell us if they did or not. That's a different question. Yeah. 
Um, and then the other kid, Whittemore, his, his father played here at UCF. Yep. What was that? Correct. That was yeah. before our time, I guess, right? Was that it was, maybe? yeah. Yep. Who was his quarterback? Was his quarterback Hinshaw? Probably would have been Hinshaw or Slack. Right. Somewhere, I think, in that mid-80s, um, late-80s time frame. Yeah, I think it was, um, yeah. Hinshaw, I think, it was 90 to 93 or something. Yeah, probably probably Slack. So uh, it, it is kind of a one-for-one. One. So everyone was freaking out on Saturday when Trent Winnemore commits because everyone's like, what, another receiver? Like, what are we doing? Why are we getting all these receivers, right? Obviously, Gus knew Leary was about to flip, so he knew one was going out, one was coming in. The only difference I'll say here, and I have no idea if, if Trent Winnemore is good. I have no idea if he's a good player or not. Uh, he's a big kid, though, Mike. He's 6'3". Um, where Christian Leary was 5'10". Not that not that I'm saying a, a taller receiver is better, but you know we've got some smaller, faster, more compact receivers. We don't really have that sort of big, over-the-middle, can go up and get the ball kind of threat. I mean, Kobe and, and, and Javon are pretty athletic and can work that way, but he's a big kid, Mike. It's a, it's a, I think I read someplace that's our tallest receiver since Jacob Harris. I don't know if that's accurate or who charts that stuff, but he's a, he's a, he's a bigger kid. Maybe that gives us something from a skill set standpoint. I've been saying that for the last couple of months. I want a bigger receiver to complement the little guys. I mean, something there's some things that smaller guys just can't do, and you know, going up a, in the red zone at, and those jump balls in the corner, I, it, it definitely helps to be four inches taller, five inches taller to get to those balls, and maybe gives quarterback Plumley or whoever it is a little more leeway with their throws. I mean, they, they're throwing something that's too high for Baker may not be too high for Whittemore, so. Um, I like to pick up, let's see what he can do. Obviously he's an athlete was in Florida was, a, was a highly touted recruit coming out of high school. So let's see what he can do here. And, uh, you never know. I, I like it. I mean, it's better than losing Leary and getting nothing. We needed to get something. <laughs> so here we are. And who knows if he's even here or, or if he even cracks the starting roster. Well, two important corrections already. I was wrong about Whittemore six foot four. Um, not six three. His dad, uh, Mark Whittemore, played in the nineties, uh, and his quarterback was Darren Hinshaw. So, uh, so Hinshaw was throwing to to Mark Whittemore, uh, and so I, I imagine there's probably some connective point there. As soon as Hinshaw gets this job, Whittemore's in the portal, makes a phone call, and, and that's how that happens. This could be a chess checkers move, by the way, because Whittemore has a a, a younger brother, Creed Whittemore, who was supposed to be pretty talented, went to Mississippi State, uh, and their cousin is Malachi Singleton, who is the uh, heralded quarterback UCF was after for a while, who went to Arkansas. So maybe this is a chestnut checkers move, and uh, we're setting up future transfers there. But uh, but yeah, I have no idea what, we, what we're missing here. I will tell you, I, I really hoped that we would have got Antonio Greer, um, a, a veteran linebacker, has played you know a, a bunch of football, probably a very smart cerebral linebacker. His linebacker coach, Ernie Sims, was here. I thought that was one that even though uh, Travis Williams and Arkansas were calling him, I, I was hopeful that we could get that one figured out. I feel like that one's a pretty tough loss because I think we need a veteran presence in that linebacker room. Jason Johnson brings a ton. Outside of that, though, everybody else is relatively new and inexperienced. So Greer would have been a name I really would have loved to have put on the board for UCF, uh, but ultimately he decides to, to follow T-Will um, to, uh, to Arkansas. I think that one hurts. Yeah, well, we need linebackers. We were short there. We've been short there for a while. Would have been nice. But at the same time, we don't add a cow to the locker room if you want to look at it in a positive way. Um, I mean, trying to try to find a positive out of anything. Um, but, yeah, we're going to keep hunting. I mean, portal season is always open. So we'll go back in there and find the next best linebacker. Yeah, I think the portal window will close, and uh, I think it's the 18th of January is when the, the this window closes. Uh, and then another window opens uh, right um, right after spring, essentially, right? So uh, there will be another opportunity. I saw today two more linebackers from other schools are in the portal. So my hope is 
Gus was holding some of those spots open and trying to convince a couple of those kids to, to come to UCF here in the springtime. Obviously, there's still time to sign a high school kid, although I don't think we're going to find anybody that's going to really fit the bill from a linebacker standpoint. So Gus clearly has some work to do uh, in the linebacker game. But to your point, eight more days left in the portal. You know, what, I guess four days or so that are still left to, to add classes if somebody wants to join UCF here soon. So possibly opportunity for, for more players there. And maybe just maybe, I, I think the thing to think about linebackers too, Mike, is I know last year we were really excited about the two transfers in Terrence Lewis and Brandon Jennings. Lewis obviously, you know, flames out, never plays it down. Uh, Brandon Jennings played in a couple games and then inexplicably took a red shirt. I think we all thought that was because he wanted to transfer, but it sounds like that was either for playing time purposes, maybe just for experience purposes. I'm not really sure the reason why, but he stayed at UCF. He was on the practice squad all year. I had some people tell me that he was playing really well on the on the practice uh, squad this year. He was making big plays. So he comes in next year as an abil- ability to play. That's kind of like an additional linebacker we weren't counting on. So who knows if we're putting all our eggs in that basket, Mike. But Brandon Jennings coming in, Jason Johnson staying. We'll see what that linebacker core can shake out to be. But obviously that's probably, um, out, I'd say linebacker and O-line, two biggest positions of need for us right now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's where we lost a lot of guys too on the offensive line. So, and we need depth at those positions. We lost starters. So these guys that were on the bench this past year are going to fill those roles, but who's coming in behind them. We need to be too deep on the offensive line going into the big 12. We too deep, Mike. Uh, we're not deep enough at center anymore. Matt Lee, the, the Matt Lee saga has come to a conclusion. He went in the portal. Uh, he was at Oklahoma visiting. He was at Miami visiting. And there were rumors thinking, hey, he's not he's not really done at UCF. That may be a, a situation he comes back from. Uh, and then reverse boom, Matt Lee to the U, Mike. Matt Lee to the U, Mike. That's the question. I mean, this has to be money involved. That's the only explanation, really, I, you can think of. I mean, we're going to the Big 12. They're in the ACC conference-wise, about even. Um, he's going to Miami, a school that – has not been very good the last few years, whereas UCF's had more success. Uh, he's already a starter here. He could have been one of these all like always a night kind of guy, you know, all a all American, uh, all American conference player. Um, he could have been a, a UCF legend, really. I mean, you don't think of offensive linemen that way too often, but four year starter, he had everything going for him. So it, it has to be that they're just giving him money to go to Miami. Um, unless there's something else behind the scenes that we don't know about, but I don't think so. And he made a business decision, and that's it. And that's all it is, and that's college football today. He's gone out. I wish he had gone to a school that I didn't hate so much. I mean, I hate the Hurricanes. So you want me to say good luck to him? I don't really want to say it because he's going to Miami. <laughs> if he was going to somewhere else, if he's going to Hawaii or something I didn't care about, yeah, good luck. Have fun. But Miami, uh, I'm not going to root for him over there. It was gross seeing him in that uniform, Mike. I don't, again, I don't have any, I have a couple of people telling me a few things. I think one of the things I would tell you about what I heard about Matt Lee that I, and I don't know if this is true or not. This is just a, the rumor and conjecture, right? And I'll give you a bit of an analogy, Mike. Imagine you have a girlfriend, right? You're in high school. You meet this girl. You guys are getting along, having a good time, right? You decide to start dating, right? You go to college together. Things are good, right? You're having a good time together. You like each other a lot. You know, you're getting along really well. You're growing up together. Relationships kind of forming strong and nice bonds. You have some really good moments. Take some good pictures on, you know, on vacations, having a good old time, right? And then you get busy, right? Stuff happens, right? You got, you know, you got work stuff maybe you're doing. You're in a, you're in a fancy football league. You're playing intramurals. Like just, just stuff happens, right? You know, so you're, you're not home as much as you used to be, right? You still love your girl. 
girl, but you know, Hey, sweetie, I got to go with the guys tonight. Hey, I'll be back later. Right. Just a little bit of, you know, the tension isn't there anymore. Then all of a sudden the, your, your girlfriend starts hearing from her friends like, Hey, you know, my boyfriend did this and Hey, did you know my boyfriend and I are doing this? Right. And all of a sudden you start hearing those things like, look what's going on over there. And before you know it, you're like, well, hey, maybe I should think that way through. I think there's a little element of that in some respects with some of these guys. I think maybe Matt Lee falls in that category. But it just underscores the problem with college football right now is if you're Gus Malzahn, you have 100 of these guys, right? A 100 of these guys who are all feeling and thinking these things at any given moment in time, right? And even if you want to tell me there's a sliver of them that aren't thinking that, the majority of them are probably doing some of that stuff, which just underscores how hard this job is nowadays and that you have to continue to, to recruit your players. You have to continue to tell your girlfriend you love her every day and buy her flowers and make sure you take her to dinners because if not, all of a sudden there's some other dude taking your girlfriend to dinner, right? And I think that's a situation that maybe we would kind of fall with Matt Lee. And I think that just kind of underscores how hard it is to be a college football coach these days, how, how tough Gus's job is to keep all of these people happy at all even times. So they stole our girlfriend. Is that what you're telling me? Miami came in and and I'm just uh, saying maybe someone said he, he he looked nice today and you know his hair was was nice and all of a sudden you know hey you know I I may be able to get you some stuff all of a sudden before you know it you know they're they're buying you things and you know what are you gonna do right? Yeah, I think it all comes down to one thing, and it's the green. Uh, well, actually, is money even green anymore? Do people even use dollar bills. There's just they put it straight in the bank account. I think it's right in the bank account. Maybe on a some sort of Apple Pay situation. Yeah, I don't even think you see the yeah. money anymore. Yeah, his bank account went up, and you know, good for him. He may make more money in this one season at Miami than he will professionally if he goes professional. If he makes it to the NFL, or if he goes to one of these USFLs or whatever it is afterwards. So uh, that's it. That, that's we're gonna have to deal with it, and we're gonna. This is not gonna be the last time this is gonna happen. Anytime we have a really good player, other schools are gonna come sniffing around. So either we're going to be able to keep some of them or they're going to get out of here too. And that's college football in 2023. Yeah, this one just feels gross. Uh, there's something about this one that's different than the other ones. Just going to Miami, seeing them, him in that uniform, this one just feels – I need a shower after after looking at that picture. Not a, not in a good way, by the way. <laughs> bad, bad shower. There's good showers in this bad showers, Mike. We we all we all know this. Um, you've had a week now to digest the uh, the hiring of Darren Hinshaw. Uh, I know we talked about a little bit on the live show. I think some fans are starting to warm up a little bit to the hire, Mike. Uh, where are you at? Any change from you? Are you more excited about the the Darren Hinshaw hire? Same amount of excited. And now that you've had a, a week to let it all sink in. I was excited when I first heard about it. I thought it was a good move. It was a hometown guy coming back. You know, hometown hero, a former player for UCF, a record setter, quarterback, uh, a name I knew. I was happy and everybody else seemed to be upset with it when they first heard everybody was saying, you know, this is a horrible decision, blah, blah, blah. And that made me like it even more. The more people didn't like it, the more I did like it. Now everybody is starting to shift over to starting to like it. So no, now I don't no. know how to feel anymore. Do I, do I not like it anymore? Was well, everybody's on my side. Now I'm going to flip back to the other side, but you know, it's still too early. The one thing we do know about Henshaw is he wants to be here. He's, dying to be here this is his dream job he is back home he's gonna do everything he possibly can to be successful as the offensive coordinator at UCF so that's all I can really ask for and this is a guy that I don't think has his eye on the next spot you know of course if something does come around and somebody's gonna offer him millions of dollars to go coach somewhere else you know he's gonna go but I don't think he's gonna be actively looking around saying you know where can I go from here 
this is a stepping stone job. I think he wants to be here. If it's up to him, he's going to be here for the rest of his life, whether it means offensive coordinator for a few years and then one day being the head coach. I think that's his ultimate dream. And if that ever happened, I don't think he'd ever leave. Look, the first time he calls a touchdown play on offense, they're going to love him. And the first time we go three and out, we're going to hate him, right? That's going to be his tenure at UCF, right? That, that's how we're going to judge him. If he can find a way to put this offense in any sort of a situation where we look a little bit different than we do today, we're not running third and two screen passes to the boundary. We're throwing the ball down the field. Uh, you know, we're, we're explosive on offense. If he can do that, fans will love him. I, don't, I mean, I don't, I don't think it matters. The challenge is we just don't know what he's capable of yet because we've never really seen him in that role. And I think that's the part where everyone's still a little bit a little bit head scratching, like, okay, we've never seen this guy do this before. That doesn't mean he can't, but we've never seen him do it, right? Every offensive coordinator that's been out there was at one time a rookie offensive coordinator, right? That's just the way that works. It just so happens that we have ours now. Um, and maybe there isn't as much pedigree for success as I think some would like, but um, we'll see. I mean, I'll, I'm, I'm going to keep my mind open to it. I think, you know, you're seeing offenses. We saw Georgia, you mentioned last night, they were doing a lot of interesting stuff on, on offense, right? Um, good tempo, but to your point, they also had the 11 best players on the field, right? So how do, how do we do that with our offense? And really, what do we do with quarterback? I think that's going to be the ultimate decision is what do we decide to do with quarterback? Is Plumlee the kind of fit for what Hinshaw wants to do? Is it an open competition? Are Timmy, Tommy, or anybody else to be determined an option there as well? But I'm lukewarm to it. I think I'm open to it because, again, not – Todd Munkin, if you look at him on TV, the Georgia offensive coordinator, he's, he's not a young, hot coordinator-looking guy. He's an older dude, right? So I'm open to figuring this out. Maybe he's got some you know, some, some gravitas he can bring to it, but it's going to work the same way, man. This first touchdown pass, we're going to love him. UCF legacy, UCF alumni, we're going to be buying throwback Hinshaw jerseys, and the next week when we lose, we're going to be burning him on the field. He said all the right things in the press conference. Yeah, he said he's going to have yeah, a tough running game. He's going to throw the ball down the field. I like that he said he knows how to teach the quarterbacks. He knows how to teach these guys to think the way he's thinking. That's what he wants. And that he learned from Kruzek. Remember, Kruzek put a lot of trust in the quarterback to know what the defense was showing you and to know how to react, how to call audibles, things like that. Something I don't think we've seen recently. No. I don't think our coaches have let the quarterbacks make decisions like that on the field. But if Plumley, if he, if Plumley's the guy, or whoever the quarterback is, if he can teach them how to read the defense and to know what he's thinking ahead of time, I think that's going to change the offense and it'll make the offense flow that much better, faster. And I mean, he's learned from some of the best. So yeah. you got He's been around the block now for a while. He's not a young kid. Hinshaw is. He knows how to coach. And from everything I'm hearing, people that have worked with him, people that have played for him, tell me he's a good guy. He knows what he's doing. I got to believe that. Yeah, I think we got a solid citizen for sure, right? I think we got a solid citizen who's going to bleed black and gold. Um, but when it comes time to put a paper in front of him and draw X's and O's and and call those plays, I guess that's the part we have to see about. But um, I think everything to your point, stacking up in terms of if you if you looked at everything else outside of just the, his his experience, which is probably the one thing you want to look at the most, but all the other intangibles add up to say this is a great opportunity, a great hire. Now, will that come to fruition? I guess we'll see. But uh, I'm on the lukewarm fence. We'll, uh, we'll we'll figure out how that goes, Mike. So that's your football update. Other than that, not, not much happened in football world. We're still kind of waiting for booms. Uh, obviously, I think the guys are back on campus as of this week, uh, getting probably back into a routine of some sort. Um, so I'm sure we'll start hearing and seeing some more stuff as that happens, Mike. But while football is taking a little bit of a backseat right now, basketball, is is coming onto the scene a drubbing mike an actual drubbing 
at home versus SMU by the Knights without Darius Johnson, by the way, who is injured with a foot injury, will be out for a while. Without C.J. Walker, by the way, who they announced is out for the season with some sort of a leg injury, the Knights absolutely house SMU and set up a game this Wednesday night, Mike. Memphis coming to UCF. I don't want to say this is must win, but this is really, this is adjacent to much must win. This is a pretty big game early in the season when there are still a lot in front of us. This feels like a big game, a big opportunity for UCF. It's a very big game. This is, you want to say it's a statement game. This is a game that can put you in the driver's seat. If you're going to say only two teams are coming out of the American to go to the big dance and you got to be first or second. And it doesn't look like anybody's going to pass Houston for first. It's a battle for second place right now. It's between us and Memphis and you got to win the head to head. So you got to at least split with them. This is a huge game at home. The team's playing great basketball right now. Um, the couple of losses we have, you could easily say we could have a couple more wins here on our belt. They're, they're playing way better than I thought they were going to be. I think way better than anybody thought coming into the season. Uh, even the most optimistic people, I don't think, saw what this team has showed us so far through the first, how many games has it been? 15, 15 or so games? Um, 16. Okay, 16. Um, it. it I love the way they're playing. I love the hustle. I love everything. I love that it's not just a one-dimensional team. Everybody talks about Taylor Hendricks. Yes, he was great the first 10 or so games, but he's not been as good the past couple of games, offensively anyway. He's not hitting his shots the same way. You still love his hustle. He's still blocking shots. He's still doing all his other little things. But it's been other guys chipping in and doing, doing what and they're playing team basketball. I think right now this is the best, obviously, we've seen them play since that tournament team in 2018 um so let's go man this is a big one i hope that that the place is packed on wednesday night there's no excuse for it not to be yeah i think a couple names that have really been revelations it's eel horton the transfer from Pitt. he had a big game against smu 21 points uh he's a he's a fairly uh productive outside shooter um when he when he's on he's on when he's off he's off by the way but when he's on he's on he went four of nine against smu uh, obviously, you mentioned Taylor Hendricks. C.J. Kelly has been a guy that's been a revelation. He didn't play all that well against SMU, only four points, uh, but he's carried us at games for offensive stretches. I think, to your to your point, Taylor Hendricks is hitting a bit of a wall, that maybe that freshman wall at this point. Um, so perhaps the the bright lights and the juice of a big game against uh, against Memphis kind of get him figured out. Defensively, I mean, the, the Knights are scrappy. They're getting after the ball. I really like Jalen Young on defense. Not and so in love with his outside shot at times, but I love him on defense. Michael Durr. Doesn't doesn't appear to be the most gifted offensive player, but he gets rebounds, Mike. Uh, he gets in the way. Uh, you know, I feel like our offense changes a lot when he's not in the game. I think he said solid screen. So there's a lot to like about this team. And, and Memphis is coming in. Obviously, they're a team, uh, to your point, that a lot of folks um, typically have that that one-two range with with Houston. I think we've kind of uh, crept up a little bit to maybe take some of that some of that shine from that standpoint. But it's it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a big one. And, and to your point, I really hope. That, that the crowd can get behind, uh, you know, this team on Wednesday. Memphis also twelve and four, um, so it's going to be a, a going to be a big game. I don't think we've played any common opponents yet. Um, they played ECU and won sixty nine fifty nine at home, um, so it's really the only common opponent we have right now. But it'll it'll be a big game. Memphis has losses to Alabama, to Seton Hall, to St. Louis, uh, and I'm sure there's somebody else I'm missing here that I have not said that I will say at some point. So. Uh, Tulane. They lost to Tulane. Wow. Well, Alabama's a good team. Alabama also beat Houston. Um, Tulane is not very good, right? No. <laughs> but, are, hey, I don't know. These things happen. These things happen. But 
we have to beat them here. This game's at home. When do we play them again in Memphis? Is it all the way at the end of the year? We'll be back February 16th. All right, so about a month from now. But, you know, we got to set the tone here right now, win this game, set yourself up, go on a little winning streak. I mean, we had that tough loss, the buzzer beater against Missouri. You bounce back a little bit. Then you have a, a tough, hard-fought loss at Houston. And now we've won the last couple of games. we got to go on a roll here. Yeah, nice little winning streak before we play Houston again, before we play Memphis again on the road. Um, but I like our chances. I like the way this team is going so far. I think Donnie's, uh, um, Johnny Dawkins is pulling all the, the right strings with, with his rotation and everything. So let's go. This is it. It, it. It's time now. These are the games that we were talking about. Oh, conference play comes and Johnny starts losing the games. These are the games that we're talking about, the big ones. In the way too early, uh, Joe Lenardi bracketology. UCF was on the next four out list, so there's the the last four in, the first four out, and the next four out. We were on the next four out list, so I think a win um, against Memphis could could play this out. Mike, give me your dream schedule or, or uh, I guess record here. We have four games in the next two weeks: Memphis at Tulane, at the Cows, then home for Houston. Give me your record you want to see us after those four games. If you can go three and one. That'd be great. Yeah. Uh, that means you have to beat Memphis because I, I mean, I guess you you still have hope that you could beat Houston the way we played them on the road, but they're so such a good team. Um, I think we actually played them pretty well once last year too, and then they completely destroyed us the second time. So, um, I mean, obviously you can't lose to the Cows, you can't lose to Tulane. This is a big one here, two and two. I mean, I guess you'd have to take it, but then you you got to win the rest of the conference games after that. Right. Yeah. You don't play Houston anymore after that. And you, you get one, obviously a tough one at Memphis later on, but you got to win everything else to give yourself a shot. If we're talking at large, which basically we're going to have to be, unless we win that conference tournament, maybe somebody knocks Houston off there in the tournament, or maybe we do. Um, things could always fall our way that way. But uh, if you're talking at large bid, you got to win these games that we're talking about Wednesday night. Where's Johnny Dawkins on your hot seat chart? Is he firmly off? Right now, yeah, there is nothing hot about his seat at all. I mean, and there shouldn't be. And I think I said the other day, if we don't sell this game out and this place is not packed, he should fire us. I mean, think mm. about it. He's doing everything he can right now to give us a winning team. That's all people ask. Hey, win basketball. If, if you're winning, people will show up. Well, they're winning. Are people going to show up for a big game like this? It should be packed. It should be rowdy. The, the students are back in class. There's no excuse out of them. They played on Sunday against SMU. I understood. It's the final NFL yep. Sunday of the year. If they were playing, back. Yeah, if they were playing this weekend during the playoffs, I wouldn't expect it to be a, a, that packed either. But this is a Wednesday night. You know, students, they're not having any exams or anything. Classes are just starting again. So you don't give me that excuse. You got tests and any of that stuff. Wednesday night's a fun night to go out. We used to go out on Wednesday nights all the time. I think we used to always go downtown on Wednesday nights. You don't even have to do that anymore as a student. You go to the game and you hang out afterwards. It's a fun time. Uh, no reason for this place not to be going crazy. If you have season tickets, go to the game. If you live close by in Orlando, find a way to get there. If you can't make it to the game, make sure somebody gets those tickets. But I should see every seat full on TV Wednesday night. 
Biggest challenge probably on Wednesday will be Darius Johnson's not going to play. Memphis is a team that likes to employ the press. How we handle the press and handle the ball will be big. Obviously, Jalen Young, I suspect, will get to start at point guard. How can we handle the press? How do we how do we make sure that we don't fall into those traps? Memphis is also a senior-laden team. I think uh, if you go to our website, twonightsmedia.com, John Weiss, uh, his article uh, previewing Memphis is out now. Um I think their turn, their their nine top star uh, scorers are all seniors, Mike. Um, so a veteran laden team, a team that's been around for a while. Um, so how we handle the press, how we handle this, uh, will be big, obviously, without Darius Johnson. But you're right, it should be packed. It's Wednesday, students are back. Um, there's no football on, there's nothing else really competing at this point. Um, you know, midweek, oh, it's a seven o'clock tip. It's not like a super late game. Get there, pack the, you know, pack the dungeon, I guess we call that place. Um, and, uh, and let's get a victory. Like that'll be a nice, nice win for, uh, for these, uh, for these guys and, and put us in position, hopefully to continue to battle. That's all we've ever asked for you and I in the show, right? Is we want to be in the conversation when the calendar flips to, you know, mid to late February, right? We just want to be in the conversation, have the opportunity to think about making some noise in a tournament, have the opportunity to be in the consideration line for the tournament, right? That's really all we can ask for. And if we want to do that, it's going to start with a win like to, like Wednesday night um, with Memphis, right? All I want to do is be in it, be a name, be in the conversation. We got to win games like this if we want to do that. Yeah, it's the same thing I would say about the Giants coming into the year. Just get me to Thanksgiving playing meaningful games. Well, with this team, get me to the middle of February playing games that matter where we still have a chance to get into the tournament. Not, oh, we have to win the conference tournament to get into the big dance. You know, put us in a position where, hey, we're the one of the second last four out or whatever it is. Get us to being last four in. Start making a little noise. Maybe get a couple of votes in, in a poll here somewhere. FAU is getting votes, right? I, know, I think they're like 13 and one. But their schedule is not impressive. They, the one big win they have is against the Gators, who really are not any good this year. So we win a game like this against Memphis if we had won that Houston game or if we beat them when they come to Orlando in a couple of weeks. People start talking. Then you start getting votes in the polls. That's how you get into the uh, at-large bids. And that's what we, it, it took in 2018, right? We, when we beat Cincinnati at home that night, mm-hmm. pretty much guaranteed us that we're getting into the dance no matter what we did going into the conference tournament. Hopefully we have a good, uh, good crowd, a good game, Mike, and a good moment. Because if we do, that could become our ticket to the house moment of the week, which was brought to you by Urban Nooks. Again, if you're looking for some interesting information on real estate, you have questions, uh, maybe investment questions, buy, uh, buying questions, selling questions. You want to take up Drew Bellani. He's uh, he's a Knights, Mike. He's an alum, a two-time alum. He's a shareholder. He's a volunteer, and he's somebody who's well versed in the real estate game. He's helped a lot of former Knights out there. He can help you as well. Real estate questions. You got to go to Drew and Urban Nooks. 407-456-3226. Call Drew Bellani. Get with the team at Urban Nooks. They're going to take care of you. Tell them you're a knight. Tell them you heard about him on the Sons of UCF. And uh, he'll answer all your questions and give you the right info. So uh, from this game, there may be a technical house moment of the week. Check back next week to figure that part out, Mike. But let's uh, let's let's go here. We got not a lot going on. When there's not, not a lot going on, you can count on the Suns to, to come up with something a little bit more creative and fun. I got guilty, not guilty for you. Right? I got, I got guilty, not guilty, Mike. You are going to be our judge. I'm going to present to you a case, and uh, you're going to tell me if you think this person is guilty or not guilty based on the evidence I present to you. Right. So this is this is uh, heavily influenced by our good friends at Gordon and Partners, by the way, who sponsor this uh, this fine program, Mike. So we got guilty, not guilty. Our judge, Mike, are you ready for your first case? I am. I have not heard any of these cases. You do not know what these are. Yeah. I bring before you, Your Honor, 
One Travis Williams. Travis is being charged with stealing recruits from UCF, stealing guys who have committed um, uh, to UCF to take to his new job at Arkansas. As my evidence, we have Antonio Greer Jr., who committed to UCF and now committed to Arkansas, where Mr. Williams is now the coach. We also have the Harris twins, one of whom tweeted out this weekend that he was blessed to receive an offer from the University of Arkansas. If you're not familiar, they committed to UCF, decommitted after Travis Williams left to go to Arkansas, Mike. So Travis Williams is here, brought up on charges of stealing UCF commits and recruits, Mike. Your Honor, how do you find the defendant? Guilty. Yeah, you just made the whole case. I don't even know what else I need to add to that. He's already taken, guys. It's been proven. Um, but that is his job. Obviously, mm -hmm. when he's recruiting guys to come here, he's kind of recruiting them to go wherever he's going. Uh, once he leaves, it's an easy sell for him. Hey, you know, you were coming to play for me. You fit, you fit perfectly in my defense. You know, come play for me here in Arkansas. And by the way, we're in the SEC. And, you know, I still want you there. I can understand where the kid's going with that, but he's definitely guilty of doing it. I mean, there, there's no way you can say that he's not. Should he, uh, what, what kind of penalty should be here, Mike? Is this something where, to your point, this is his job, right? He reports to Arkansas now. His job is to make Arkansas the best football team ever. And what's he supposed to do? Go to his boss and be like, hey, these linebackers are great, but I can't recruit him because I recruited him at UCF, right? He can't tell his boss that, right? So what's the, what's the penalty for something like this? Is this just cost of new business? We have to deal with it. You know, should there be stipulations here? I saw on, I posted on my Twitter account on Monday night, Willie Fritz was in some sort of conference and had like his list of rules for the Tulane football program, right? Rule number 36, Mike, and I'm not kidding, 36 was coaches who leave the program will not steal players committed to Tulane. I don't know how you enforce that rule, Willie Fritz. I don't know how you do that, Mike, but should there be some sort of a mutual respect situation where Travis says, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to leave those guys alone. Uh, in an ideal world, yeah, and you think of what's best for UCF, you would like that to be the case. But this is the real world, and that's just not going to happen. People are going to do what's best for them and their new job. And if Antonio Greer is the best linebacker he can get to play at Arkansas, then he's going to go get Antonio Greer to play at Arkansas. I don't, uh, he's. We've seen people leave here and take the recruiting database with them. We think this guy's going to leave and not take one of the best recruits if he can take him. I understand what's going on, but he's definitely guilty of stealing the recruits. All right. So Travis Williams found guilty. We'll sentence him at another time, Mike. Next defendant uh, in front of you here in the courtroom here. There's a bunch of defendants coming in behind me in the courtroom, Mike. Um, I have behind me UCF fans, and they're charged with being a, being a little bit too sensitive about kids leaving UCF to transfer someplace else, Mike. UCF fans a little too sensitive about people going elsewhere, Mike. How do you find the defendants? Do you need additional arguments here to help you understand your case? Do <laughs> you have some tweets pulled up ready to go? I don't. I, I don't. But obviously, Matt Lee is one that, you know, he's gotten a little bit of flack from from individuals. Um, you know, Jeremiah Jean Baptiste, Ryan O'Keefe, you know, they, they, they certainly heard some things, I'm sure, Mike. So UCF fans can often be a little sensitive. But, you know, we do this once a night, always a night thing. And to your point, it feels like guys are with us and all of a sudden they're not. Yeah, I can understand why fans are upset about this. I can also see why you would say, hey, the, the kid played for us for four years, gave his blood, sweat, and tears. He's got something else. He wants to move on, Mike. Should, so are UCF fans guilty of just being too sensitive, too mad in general about guys leaving to go elsewhere? I mean, compared to what? Compared to any other school? Because I'm sure this is going on everywhere. And I'm sure you have the same knucklehead fans at different schools saying the same things. Um, but 
they're just gonna have to deal with it, man. That's it. We, just be like me. Don't root for individual players anymore. Root for the team and whoever is here. Just be like Mike. <laughs> on whatever was the when did we kick off the season? We don't see the schedule yet, but like August 29th or whatever it is, September yeah. 1st. Root for the guys that are here, and that's all we can control as fans. We can't. There's nothing else you can think about. We're going to waste your time thinking about what a 19, 20 year old kid's going to do. Some who's going to offer them money to play somewhere else. The transfer portal, NIL, all this stuff. I'm done with it. Just I don't that's care. Done. If they, it's not my job to keep these guys here. That's what the coaches are here for. That's their job. Go do recruiting. Get the best roster you can assemble before we play the first game going into the Big Twelve, and that's it. So. If people are going to leave, they're going to leave. That's just the that's the way it is nowadays, and there's nothing you can do about it. Why do you think people get so mad, Mike? I mean, my, my theory is that because there's an emotional attachment to your college, right? Particularly if you went to a school, right? You know, Matt Lee walked the same halls that you and I walked, right? He went to the same, you know, restaurants you and I went to, right? He was in the same library you and I studied in, right? Is it is it the emotional connection because that's your school and, and you know, that's why you want people to stay, right? Because, you know, people leave NFL teams, NBA teams all the time. And, yeah, you get some people, you know, mad about it, i.e. like LeBron. But in most cases, every year you turn the TV on and go, oh, that guy's on that team? You don't even know anymore, right? But, yeah, when it's when it's your college team, it just feels different. Is that because of what you – you're your connection to your college and your loyalty to your college that. And I think it's just new. People are not used to that in college and give this thing another five, 10 years. It's going to be just like NFL or, or baseball or like, Oh, I didn't realize that guy was on FSU now, or yeah, he used to play over here. And I, yeah, I remember when he played there and I think it's just going to be normal in a couple of years right now. It's still the first couple of years of this thing. People are not used to it. People are not used to, committing to you and then leaving you before you even <laughs> walk through the door. I mean, it's a different world now. So I think the fact that it's new and I think that really it's probably a small percentage of people that you really seen get upset, but the people that get upset are really loud about it and they're going to let you know about it because you know, that's what Twitter is for. That's what social media is for. I'm here to complain. It's a bunch of Karens online telling you, you know, I don't like this about this and I don't like you for this reason. And you're going to hear about it. So that's all it is, I think. I think the majority, let's put it this way. There's 45,000 people that go to UCF games every week, right? When we're at home. Yeah. How many of those people are actually complaining on Twitter? 20? 30? I mean, it's a small number when you compare it to the people. that I bet you of the 40,000 people that go to the games, 35,000 people have no idea who any of these players even are right now. You're talking about a very little percent of, of the fans that actually pay that much attention to the team. A lot of the people at those games have no idea what this, what's going on, and you know, they'll uh, they'll show up to the games anyway. So, what if? How, how can we make this better? What if? Would it make you better or make you feel, not you because you're probably the bad example, right? But any any of the other people you're talking about, what if there was full transparency, right? Matt Lee put a statement out was basically like, hey. Thanks for everything, Night Nation. After thought and prayer, I've decided to take my talent someplace else. Yeah, I love you, Night Nation forever, right? 
what if that was changed? What if there was full transparency, right? If Matt Lee put a statement out that was like, hey, Night Nation, thanks for everything. Loved everything you did for me here. I'll always be a night. But listen, after kind of walking around the halls for a little bit of time, I'm just not getting the coaching development I want to get to the next level. I recognize I have some skills I have to get better at. And, you know, I'm not quite sure if I'm able to, to grow here and continue to get better. I think it's best that I go to another program, try to find a way to get new coaching, new experiences, and maybe get to the league one day. No disrespect to UCF. I love you guys forever, but I've got to do this if I want to go to the NFL hugs and kisses madly right if that's his statement are people as upset um well I don't think even that is being completely honest if he came out and just said I signed the deal with Miami because they're gonna pay me x and x amount of dollars right. I'm, I'm just saying yeah I'm saying if that, if that was his reason it, or if his reason was hey by the way uh, somebody reached out to me and I have a financial opportunity that is greater than I ever expected. I'm a young kid. I don't know my future holds. I have some family issues I need to take care of as well. You know, the opportunity to do this will set me up for the next couple of years out of college. And it's something I can't turn down right now. No disrespect in that nation. Love y'all forever. We'll see you around. Would people just feel better if they were just honest about it? Would you think people would just be that much easier with this or happier with it or at least accept it better if you just knew the reason why? Yeah, if, if they knew the actual numbers, let's say uh, me hearing about Matt Lee and they, and, I, and the truth was my Miami offered him you know a hundred thousand dollars and UCF was giving him twenty thousand dollars or whatever the numbers are, and you know those are his two options. Yeah, I understand why he's going to Miami. <laughs> I mean that that there's nothing we can do about it. Um, and if more people looked at it that way and saw it that way, like if it was. Major League Baseball with free agents, you know, the mm -hmm. Yankees, Robinson Cano, the Yankees offer you 200 million. Well, Seattle's offering you 300 million. Okay. I understand why he's signing with Seattle or whatever, any player. And, and if it was just out in the open like that, I think more people would understand. And maybe you wouldn't like college football as much anymore because that's just, it's basically professional sports, but you would understand why these kids are leaving. And yeah. I think most people know it but they don't know the numbers and they don't know exactly what's going on. And if they did, I think they could understand. Yeah. I, I see why this kid's going to play anywhere else. Yeah. I just, I just think that one of the challenges that, that players have is the, the vagueness about their reasoning it's kind of like Mad Libs, right? You just allow someone else to fill in the blank for you, right? So when you're like, I'm leaving, you know, because blank, you allow the fan, anybody out there to, to fill in the Mad Lib with whatever they want. If it's all, you're making $200,000 or, you know, it's because you don't like Gus Malzahn or it's because, you know, you want to go to Miami because you think they're better, right? And if you don't fill in that blank, you allow this, this circus to happen. But the flip side of that, though, is Mike, it, whatever that number is, right? And by the way, it's north of 100. Whatever that number is, if you hear it, People are still going to be like, oh, well, you're greedy. You, know, you can make that back in two years. If you go to UCF, and like, no one's ever going to be happy with the numbers, no matter what they are. I, I think it's just the, the vagueness of some of this stuff that, and then when someone like tweets at them or they bother responding to me, like, you don't know the whole story, right? Well, tell me the story, chief. And they never do. And that, I think that just perpetuates things. I almost feel like this is like, like, you know, when you get divorced, you haven't been divorced, by the way. But if you did get divorced, that you have to fill out that box. It's like, why are you getting divorced? And it's like irreconcilable differences or, you know, uh, you know, an um, extramarital affair, whatever the boxes are. You should have to fill out a box when you enter the portal, right? There should be options like financial opportunity, coaching change, you know, develop. You should have to fill out a box. Just check a box. That way we all have at least some understanding of what's going on. I think that'll, that'll solve things. I think I have solved the transfer portal. <laughs> irreconcilable differences is always my favorite. That's a good yeah. one, yeah. And uh, you can just say that for anything yeah. and and they would put a box like that for the players too so they could have a cop-out answer it and put that down 
Um, but I think that the play, if the fans actually found out how much money these people were getting, <laughs> these kids, 19, 20 year old, would that make them more angry, less angry, more understanding? I, I don't know. I think if you're, if you're predisposed to be mad about it, you're always going to be mad about it. Right. Particularly if like, again, let's just say in your, in your hypothetical, Matt Lee got a hundred uh, K offered someplace else. And someone was like, UCF offered 50 that there's going to be a person out there that says, Hey, you know what? Loyalty and being a, it's worth 50 K to me. Like I would give up 50 K. Right. There's going to be that person who says that. Right. So even if the numbers come out, I still think there are people who would say, Hey, well, if you came to UCF and you stayed and developed, you can make that back in three years. Right. Like there's always going to be people in your pockets doing the math for you on that kind of stuff. So I don't, I don't know if it makes it any better. It probably makes it more understandable. The guys like you who are like, damn, Matt Lee's leaving. That sucks. Like, why the hell do you do that? Oh, we got what? Oh, all right, cool. Gotcha. Like, I think it would help guys like you who like are on the fence, but are probably going to be okay with it, but are still a little bit perturbed and like frustrated that's going on and you hear it. And then you go, Oh, cool. I got you. All right, moving on. But I don't think it's going to, if you're predisposed to be mad about it already, you're going to be, you're going to be mad no matter what. Yeah. And it's going to work just like always. It's going to be a domino effect. We're going to take guys and we'll be able to pay guys more than, <laughs> you know, um, you know, the best player on Marshall or whatever. Or schools like that, yeah. Everyone's they get good players too. They put people in the NFL, so um, we can start poaching from them, and then they're going to start poaching from FIU, and it'll trickle itself down. And the thing that's going to happen is teams like Georgia are going to have the best team in the country every year. Them and Alabama is the way it's always been. Ohio State because they can afford to get the best players, and they'll, and they'll take the best players from UCF and the best players from Cincinnati and schools like that. All right. I don't know. So I think guilty was your answer there. All right. Your next, uh, your next uh, defendant in front of you, Mike, I have the college football playoff committee. All of them are standing behind me here, Mike. They're charged with putting TCU in the playoff and making a terrible, terrible playoff because TCU got blown out. Mike, how do you find the college football playoff guilty or not guilty? Well, TCU won a game in the playoff. I'm aware. So, I mean, your honor, I'm aware of this. How could it, what team did you want in there besides TCU? I mean, Michigan and, Al, and Ohio State were in there. They both lost. They, your Honor, they, Alabama is getting mentioned a lot, Your Honor. Yeah, Alabama. Alabama lost two games this year. They did not win their division. Correct. They, they didn't even play in the conference championship game. It's Alabama. I understand. Yeah, it's Alabama. And, yeah. I, I mean, I said at the beginning of the show, I think UCF would have played a better game last night than TCU did. Maybe not, but I think that any school would have. I think FIU, FAU could have put I mean, up a better fight. I mean, nobody put up they 65 to 7. <laughs> nobody saw how do that. I get the FIU Georgia game scheduled? <laughs> I do want to see how that one turns out. I mean, Samford <laughs> made Georgia a better game earlier this year. So I, is that a fluke thing? I don't know. Georgia is just that much better. I think Georgia would have beat anybody. Georgia would have beat Alabama. They did it to them last year, too. And what was the final score of that championship game last year? I don't think it was that close of a game, right? I think they blew them out in the second half. So um, TCU won a game in the playoff. I think they deserve to be there. If you want to say the one thing maybe that would have kept them out, they didn't win their conference either. You know, They lost the conference championship game to to Kansas State. Um, Who else is going to get in? You want to say Alabama? I guess, but we're everybody all season long is talking about how, you know, once Alabama lost that second game, good. They're not going to be in the playoff. We don't have to be stuck watching Alabama again. So damned if you do, damned if you don't. I say not guilty. I'm glad they put TCU in. It just turned out to be a clunker of a championship game. And we've seen that plenty of times before. Hell, 
Clemson a couple years ago beat the hell out of Alabama like that too, right? What was it, 40 yeah. something? So those things happen in championship games. One game sample size, anybody can anything can happen. The 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 two semifinal games were fantastic games, both down to the, the wire. Um, you think Ohio State would have beat TCU like that last night? And Ohio State was a kick away from getting into that championship game instead of Georgia. So uh no not guilty playoff committee for the first time ever probably because usually yeah, well, we are getting an upset yeah yeah i agree i think that the reality is um yes alabama is probably a more talented team than tcu they have more talent on their roster than tcu does but they didn't take care of business right like it, they, they ha- you have to take there's, there's prerequisites you have to accomplish if you want to get to that so every year we could do this thing where you go you know what i think the four most talented teams i think alabama in the playoff will give anybody hell yeah maybe they will but you, that doesn't mean you get to walk in there if you don't take care of business they had opportunities to go to the playoff they didn't take those opportunities they let they let hypo beat them they lose on a last second uh two-point conversion to lsu they had their opportunities they didn't take advantage of those while they certainly may be a more talented team than tcu and clearly at this point if you lined up tcu and alabama on a neutral field perhaps Alabama would beat them pretty handily but they didn't take care of business right you you have to take care of the things to get you to the party they did none of those things so I don't think they deserve to be there there you can make the argument they're more talented but I don't know that that means that they should be an over a over a TCU team Mike and I agree with you. and be ready to see Georgia again next year because somebody sent me their schedule for next year UT Martin Ball mm. State oh sure South Carolina UAB that's the first four Trent, games. The Friday Trent Dilfers. All right. Right. They don't go on the road at all. Then they're at Auburn. They get Kentucky at Vanderbilt. They're off for oh. a week. They play the Gators, who stink. Missouri, Ole Miss. Right. They don't play Alabama. They don't play Texas and AM. They don't play LSU. They don't Tennessee? play any of the teams from the West. They play Tennessee the second to last week and then at Georgia. At Tennessee and at, at Georgia Tech. So, really, at Tennessee is the toughest game by far. You want to say at Auburn? No, Auburn hasn't been good the last couple of seasons. So they're going to be back again in the conference championship, in the SEC championship game. They're going to play maybe Alabama then. And the probably both of those teams get in the playoff. Um, so get used to it. Alabama, Georgia is the new Alabama now. And that's just the way it is. All right, last one, Your Honor. I have behind me um, Commissioner Brett Yormark of the Big 12, Mike. He is being charged with taking his sweet-ass time putting the football schedule out, Mike. It is already uh, early January. We have no idea what the schedule is. I don't think we even know when it's coming. I've heard whispers of February, Mike. So Brett Yormark is behind me. He is charged with taking his sweet-ass time with the schedule. Mike, how do you find Brett? Well, he's definitely guilty, but it's given us something at least to look forward to. (laughs) If the schedule has already been out for three weeks, you know what are we going to talk about? So I'm still looking forward to seeing the schedule. Um, I want to see, do we get Oklahoma? Do we get them at home now with uh, Dylan Gabriel over there? Do we get to Texas? What are the road trips? I'm always excited. Schedule day is one of my favorite days. So the fact that I still have to look forward to schedule release day kind of has me a little excited, interested at least. Because right now, last night was the final college football game. I was like, okay, college football is over. I have nothing to think about anymore. But now that we still have to look forward to the schedule, you know, I'm still a little into it. Okay. So not guilty, it sounds like you're saying. Even though it's it's not cool, you'd like it by now, you're, you're not guilty with, uh, well, with him not having it out. He's guilty for dragging his feet and taking a long time. Yes, but I think actually it worked out to be a, a good thing. 
No, as long as it doesn't take too long, because I know people do like to plan ahead. They gotta take their vacation days. They gotta, you know, book some flights and hotel some rooms. Hotels, yeah. So, I mean, let's not sit on this till March. I heard somebody said maybe Friday, but I don't think they'd release it on a Friday. Um, yeah, you don't want a Friday news dump on that unless no. you can do it first thing in the morning. It will not be on a Monday either with the NFL playoffs for the next month. It won't be out on Monday because everybody's gonna be talking about playoff games on Monday morning. It's yeah. going to have to be on a Thursday, a Wednesday or a Thursday, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, the rumor was it was prepared and then uh, they got it pulled back. And some people are saying that may be because Texas and Oklahoma are working at a deal and they're reworking some some things and maybe they won't be a part of the conference next year or something. Right. So I assume they're running through all the different machinations on that, obviously, as, as that comes out. We will let you all know, Mike, that's guilty, not guilty. I think we had. Uh, th- three guilties and one not guilty, if I uh, if I have it correct. So, Mike has been very judicious with his punishments here this evening. Let's take ourselves a little break here, Mike. After the break, interview time. Daniel Obarski. Again, if you uh, whatever you think you know about Daniel Obarski, listen to this interview and and figure out if that's what you still know about Daniel Obarski after the conversation. That's all I'll tell you. Uh, we'll take our break right here. We're brought to you by Gordon and Partners with the Sons of UCF. This is UCF head football coach Gus Malzahn, and you're listening to the Future of UCF podcasting with Adam and Mike on the Sons of UCF. Boom. All right, we warned you around here. It was interview season. We'd be back on the interview trail. We try to find some uh, some, some some former nights, some current nights, if we can, to bring on the show and and talk a little UCF. And we've got a guy who spent four years at UCF, was a part of a lot of big seasons, kind of a real interesting role. He's part of a interesting transition at UCF, and uh, and we're happy to have him join us tonight. It is uh, kicker Daniel Obarski is our guest this week. First off, Daniel, thanks so much for taking the time to join us on the show. Thank you both for inviting me. I'm glad I can make it on. I got to start here before we get into anything. Is it is it just Daniel? Is there a Dan option? Is there a Danny option? Or are you strictly Daniel? It's uh, whatever you prefer, really. It's mostly Daniel. Uh, most of the guys on the team call me Obar, but whatever you prefer, really. I'm good. I've yeah, I've only always heard you refer to as Daniel, so I was always curious if it if it was a Dan option. A Dan, like, do your parents call you Danny or anything like that? No, it was always Daniel. I think. Uh, I had one Canadian hockey coach that would call me Danny with his little accent. And okay. Yeah, he was about the only guy that called me Danny, really. I'm sorry, I have to follow up on this for a second. You're from Arizona. How did how did yeah. you get involved with uh with hockey in Canada? So before Arizona, uh lived in Minnesota for five years. So picked okay. it up there, moved to Arizona when I was eight, played hockey my whole life. That was always the dream to go play hockey and I always wanted to play college sport and figured football was my best chance. So kind of followed it then, but played at high, um, travel hockey growing up and then all the way up through high school too. When, when did you decide that hockey wasn't going to work out? When did you, when did you, when did you say I got to hang up the skates and go full time for, for football? Um, this was probably freshman year of high school. Um, that's when I started football. That was my first season tackle football, everything, but uh, to play college hockey, you have to be very, very good. And you have to probably leave high school, high school to go to a prep school, go to the junior leagues, all that stuff. And I kind of just wanted to go to college. So football was my best bet. What uh, what position were you in hockey? What are you a goalie? Were you a winger? What were you? I, I played defense. Okay. Yes, okay. Sir. Awesome. Well, let's let's start at Arizona. Obviously, you're a kid from Arizona. Uh, how how do and and when and why did you become aware of UCF? Obviously, all the way across the country for you. 
how did UCF become part of your life and an option for you as you were thinking about where you want to go to school? So it was pretty, uh, my recruiting story with UCF is actually pretty lame. Um, but I was committed to Purdue. That's where my dad went. He didn't play football there, but he studied there. And that was my dream. I was like, I'm going to Purdue. I'm going to go back to the Midwest, uh, all that jazz. Was committed there for a while as a PWO. And then towards the end of it, I was like, I just don't want to pay for college. Um, so I was thinking about going to Air Force. Told some of my coaches, hey, I want to get my school paid for. Let me know if there's any other options. Um, the UCF coach called me on a Monday. said, hey, we like you. I said, okay, cool. Came down uh, to my school on the Tuesday. We chatted a little, little bit. I flew out to UCF on Wednesday and committed on Thursday, and that was about my whole my whole trip. How How is being recruited as a specialist different than a, a position player? Obviously, we see all these kids with huddle videos and all this other stuff. What's the process, or how is it different if you're a specialist, a kicker like you were? So the only main difference as a kicker is that not, not as many schools are looking, right? So every every year, I'd say about one-fourth of the Division One football teams – are going to have a scholarship for a kicker or a punter. So, because it is very rare to have more than one kicker on scholarship at, at once. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it's pretty much the same. You just have a smaller pool to pick from. How did you make the transition from uh, a defenseman in hockey to kicker in football? You said you found football as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Did, were you just a natural at it? Did you play soccer growing up? How did you become a, a quote unquote kicker? So I played four sports in high school, uh, football and hockey, and then soccer and volleyball. And freshman year of high school, I went to Hamilton High School, which is the biggest in Arizona. So I came from a very small junior high school. And I was like, I guess it'll be a fun way to meet people. Um, Knew a guy that was on the team, went in there like two weeks into school, said, hey, I can kick. And they're like, cool, we don't have anybody doing it. So walked right out there. And from there, it was game over. I tried my hand at receiver a little bit. But the two guys in front of me were both went Division One and were incredible athletes. And I scored one touchdown, and I was like, yeah, I think that's about it for me, and just stuck to kicking after that. You came here in 2019. Obviously, 2017, 2018, UCF going undefeated. How much of that played a part in you wanting to come to Orlando? Not much, to be honest with you. I, I had very limited knowledge of what UCF was, really, if I'm being honest. I even had tickets to the Fiesta Bowl game in Arizona. This is a short drive for me. And I was like, yeah, Dad, I don't really want to go. I'm just going to go hang out with my friends tonight. Um, it's not a huge game. I'll just watch it on TV, I guess. Um, what the big thing for me was is that the coaching staff, and I think it carried over to, to the new coaching staff, um, is people were there for the right reasons. You know, it wasn't look at all this cool stuff we have. Do you want, do you want this? Do you want that? Look at the cool jerseys equipment. It was, we're here because we want to be here and we want to win football games. And when I kind of learned that, that everyone was there for a good reason and that they just wanted to win games, it didn't matter about all the the fancy or the social media or whatever. Um, I just wanted to come and win football games. So when you got here, we have a kicker on the roster already and Dylan mm-hmm. Barnes, who really hadn't played much himself. Did you come in expecting that there was going to be an open competition or did you think, you know, maybe this guy's already here. I'll sit behind him for a year. Is anything the coaches told you before you came in? You know, coming in, I, I knew there was going to be a competition. I knew there was another kicker on the roster and I gave him my all in, in camp. We were going at it. I was lucky enough to start uh, kickoffs as a freshman. And I think that was the best thing for me really, 
because it gave me a little little taste of what are the what college football is all about. Help me kind of get warmed up and truly get get a nice entrance into the game. And Dylan was just an amazing guy. You know, for him as a fifth year guy, this is his shot to have a new kid come in. Um, he could have kicked me to the curb, really. But after we kind of battled it out and the position, positions were settled, he was nothing but supportive and helpful and giving me tips. We watched film together every day. And even to this day, I still chat with him. And he's been very um, influential and positive throughout the years. That first game, I think, of your career, you kicked off 10 times against FAMU. Yeah. Is there any – I know – I mean, you get breaks, but as a kicker, you still got to run down there. You get tired? You get exhausted after a game like that? Um, every most games, they're not, it's not too bad, but after kickoffs are more straining than field goals. And after about seven or eight, you start to get a little tired. So with hypo and we were putting up 70 a game and I was having, I think the most kickoffs I had in the game was 12 or 13. It, it got a little rough, but it was all part of the experience. And I would rather kick 12 than one. Then if you had any bugaboo your freshman year, there were a couple times those kickoffs floated a little bit out of bounds. Uh, obviously, I'm sure you heard about that from, from fans, from coaches. What do you do about that? I mean, as a, as a quarterback, right, maybe you, you, you change your technique. As a running back, you do something different. As a kicker, do you go back and look at your technique? Do you go look, look back at your routine? How do you sort of troubleshoot when something doesn't go right? Right. Um, I don't know. if Do you guys play golf at all? Not well. But yeah. well, you can you can hit the same swing 10 times and one of them might hit the hosel and just spray straight into the woods. Um, and that's kind of what it is. You know, at the end of the day, your leg swing is going to is pretty natural and it's going to happen. Um, the only thing you can do as a kicker is put yourself in the same spot every time to make it repeatable. So a lot of those um, bad kicks that I had and stuff it was more so my steps leading up to the ball I was either pulling up short or going too deep and I just wasn't putting my body in a place where that leg swing could be natural and uh just let it happen so a lot of this stuff isn't really in the game it's kind of the day after and stuff because it's in the game once you get in the game you just gotta let uh your natural ability kind of take over at that point because I or personally I know a lot of guys tend to hyper analyze and think really hard I think it's just more of a natural flow and um, once you come to the game, it's kind of too late to make adjustments. Yeah, I was going to ask, what, what's the sideline like after after that? Do you, I mean, do you go to coaches and kind of talk about what's happening? Are they giving you kind of tips and pointers again? Because it's such a unique um, skill set that you have, right? Like, how how, do, how does a coach maybe help you in the moment in a game after something like that? You know, I've, I've definitely had my um, – I've definitely heard it a few times. Um, but for the most part, both with the old coaching staff and the new coaching staff, um, they all believed in me which I think is huge. And even if it didn't go as planned, you know, I'm coming to the sideline. Um, the rest of the specialists always have my back. We chat about it. Um, what happened? All right, let's fix it and forget about it. Okay. We acknowledge that that happened, but we got, we still got, we still have more kicks to go. So fix it, forget about it. And on to the next one. Cause at that point, I think everybody that's playing in the game has the right to be there and knows what to do. So really just being able to, push it off and go on to the next one. I always assumed maybe you guys were trying to be strategic. You want to pin them inside the five on the left side or the right side. You're telling me you're, just, you're trying to hit those down the middle and they're going that way sometimes? Uh, no, not down the middle. Definitely to the left. And sometimes I'm just, I mean, kicking a football is truly, you can be 
half an inch off of where you want to be. And that can absolutely fall your kick. So truly we were, we were aiming left. Yes. But a few of those were just poorly hit balls. I mean, you kicked off 99 times that year. Nobody talks about the 90 times you didn't kick it out of bounds. Right. <laughs> so, right. um, so that 2020 year COVID comes, it's a little bit of a weird season, right? right. Um, do you go back home in the off season in Arizona? Were you here in Florida with the team? How'd you handle it? So I actually, I went home, right. Cause I guess we were on spring break and I stayed home. I stayed home the whole time and every week was training with a few fantastic kicking coaches. I don't know if you've heard of the Zendejas family, um, yeah. kind of yeah. a legacy of kickers there. Um, Luis, who works for the Cardinals. He has a 60 yard football field in his backyard and let everybody come kick for free. And then his brother, Alex senior and Alex jr. They own a gym called AZ kicking. And I would go in there and work out two, three times a week. I can go kick with them and go kick with Luis. And those guys have really been instrumental to my kicking success. So when the season starts, was there an open competition again that year? What were the other kickers on the roster in 2020? I think it was it was me and then what Riley Stevens I believe, yeah. Um, and yeah yeah it was an open competition and just had to go into fall camp and battle and go with the best guy. I mean that's kind of how it is every year. I think um, unlike some other positions on the team, you can't really have a bad day. I mean some other other positions it's it's fighting every single day to earn your spot. Once you have kind of earn your spot, there's probably a little bit more leeway, but. And kicking at the end of the day, if you're not ready to go, you're not ready to go. And it, it stinks because it's one of the only positions where you're as only only as good as your stats are, really. Obviously, Mike said 2020 was a weird year, right? Uh, half half fill stadiums. Um, you know, UCF got off to a weird start. We had like four false starts against ECU in a row, which I'd never seen before, right? Just kind of a, a weird mojo year. And probably one of the games that that was the quote-unquote weirdest of that season was the game at Memphis. It's high-scoring mm-hmm. game, obviously. A lot of offense, very little defense being played that day. Obviously, they score late. We have a chance. We drive down, uh, and we have the opportunity to set up for a field goal. Take us up until the field goal time. As a kicker on the sideline, when you know the team is driving, you know you may get pressed into duty. Are you doing anything different? Are you warming up at the net? Are you watching the uh, the play? Are you waiting here from coaches? Kind of what are you doing as you you know your team's setting it potentially for the opportunity for you to hit a game-winning kick? So what I will say about that game um, was a huge turning point in my career, right? Um, I felt great, you know, was doing good in the warm-ups at halftime, felt good. I was like, I'm going to go nail this kick, right? I was kicking in the net on the sideline just mentally, you know, you got this, you got this, you got this. Um, and going out there, it's just, there's nothing like it. You can prepare all you want for it, but when you go out there and everybody's looking at you and you know, what's at stake, it's truly something I'll probably never experience again. It was just a wild feeling. Um, and the worst part about it was I actually hit a pretty good ball. It just wasn't straight, you know, and the worst part of, or my problem with that game is that I didn't prepare. Um, I was only prepared for the positive and I was not prepared for the negative, you know, and when things didn't go our way, it was just, you know, it it all hits you real quick. And I didn't prepare um, mentally well enough to handle both the good and the bad that day. Obviously, the, the the flip side of that, the viral moment uh, of you, and obviously everyone's seen it now. Obviously, you and Quadri on the sideline, you guys getting into in some, some some conversation. 
When you look at that video now, what do you think? As, as you see that video, and I don't know if you've seen it since, if you see it today, what do you think when you watch that video? Um, it, honestly, it's embarrassing. But at this point, I kind of just laugh at it. You know, look at me being an idiot on the sideline. I wish it wasn't nationally televised, but, um, you know, definitely not one of my proudest moments and wish I could have handled it a little bit better. But at the end of the day, you know, I have to live with that and I'm okay with it. You know, I wish things would have went differently. I wish I would have prepared better. I wish I would have made the kick, obviously, um, and wish I would have handled myself a little bit better. But you, you got to learn to live with those things, I guess. We've had a bunch of players on and they've talked about there's conflicts all the time, right? Guys have conversations. Mm -hmm. How quickly after that were you and Quadri able to kind of move forward and just kind of put it behind you? Um, I think uh, the next day, I think we, we both went into Hypo's office, had a little chat and kind of went on with our ways. But uh, for the most part, a lot of the guys on the team have my back and, you know, it, it sucks that that's the way it ended. But a lot of guys were coming up to me, you know, hey, like, just because so many people miss their assignment, it just it's missed their assignments uh, every single play. And it just happens that yours was at the big moment. So a lot of guys had my back and were really helped, helped, uh, helped me get back on track after that. Do you remember, or can you tell us exactly what words were said? I mean, did he say something that really got under your skin or do you remember what you said to him in that moment? Uh, he said something under my skin or that got under my skin for sure. Um, I don't remember the exact words of it, but Obviously, in that moment, I just didn't take very kindly to it. I think uh, sometimes it's better just not to say anything at all. Do you guys joke about it now? Is that are you? Is that okay? Uh, me and my buddies do. I haven't really talked to Quad much, but yeah. yeah, sometimes me and my buddies joke around with it a little bit. All right. So obviously, kickers have to have a short memory. If something like that happens. You have a game again the next week. How do you do that? How do you prepare yourself the next week coming off a thing like that? Um, I'll be honest. It was it was very tough. You know, that game and especially the reaction from fans and everything. Um, by the time we got back off the plane, I think I had 400 comments and about 100 direct messages on my Instagram and Twitter just uh, absolutely berating me. So it's tough. You know, people don't really talk about that a lot, but it's it's not easy. And even that week going up to the game, I was like, what have I done? You know, my whole athletic career. Uh, was leading up to that moment and I failed and I failed and being a kicker, you got to get used to missing, you know, you have to be able to accept the failure and move on from it. And just the coaching staff, I think I got extra kicks that week, uh, ramped it up, had the whole team around me, watching me kick, uh, yelling, screaming, putting pressure on me and really just my family, especially my family, this other specialist, my coach in the room, um, everybody was just sharing love and like, dude, we know you can do it, you know, you have all the ability. You just got to move on. It was one. It was one bad kick, and we can move on. And I believe we did. I forget who we played the next week, but it was a better game. Yeah, you you play. You finish the season a lot stronger, but then the team goes and finishes the year in Boca against BYU in a game where I don't know how to describe it other than they just dominated us, mm -hmm. and it looked like we were kind of just wanting the season to come to an end as a team. It was a weird year, you know, twenty twenty. How many guys? You think guys just kind of wanted to get out of there and, and go home from there? Uh, not at all. Not at all. I don't think so. I, it was a long season. I'm glad we made it home for Christmas. But I, what I remember from that game is just being banged up. There's a lot of guys on the team that were either not playing because they're injured or opted out. But I think at that point of the season, there was just a lot of beat up guys. And I think they were just more fresh than we were truly. 
Well, sometime early January, you, you get the news that Coach Heupel and the staff obviously would be leaving and moving on to, to Tennessee. So to kind of a two-part, how did you hear that news? How does that news get to you as a player? And what was your immediate reaction when you when you found out that that Hype and the staff would be taken off? So the unfortunate part about that is that we found out from ESPN. Um, <laughs> I remember walking out of my, my dorm room and going, and everybody walked out at the same time, and we just go, did you guys see this? What the heck is going on? And nobody really knew what was happening. And then we get a text shortly after that says team meeting, 10 minutes, be there. So kind of all showed up to the team meeting. And I don't know if you guys know Manny Messenger. Sure. Yeah. And but while we all loved Coach Heupel and we we're sad to see him leave, um, I remember Manny came in the room and everybody was kind of down. He said, guys, at the end of the day, it's the players. It's it's the players that makes the team. And we kind of all rallied around that. I think Hypo leaving brought a lot of the players closer together. I loved Hypo. I thought he's a great coach. Sad to see him go, but I know from the aspect of the guys in the room, um, it all just brought us closer together. And we said, doesn't matter who's up front. We can we can do this um, as a team of players, and then no matter who they choose next to lead us, uh, we'll still get it done. Well, obviously that next choice was, was Gus Malzahn. He's hired a, a few weeks after that. And obviously he was the big name, right? He was the name everyone was talking about. But you, you kind of mentioned this earlier. You spent a lot of time with your position coaches, right? So mm-hmm. as Gus started filling out a staff and he hires Coach Blackman to, uh, to sort of take tight ends and special teams, what do you do differently as you get a new coach? How does that kind of change your approach? How does that kind of change your thinking? And what is that like integration process like when you got to meet a new coach now and kind of get to know him and he's got to get to know you? You know, it's nice. I like, I like kind of like having the new coaches because it's a fresh perspective. You can take what you learn from the old staff and kind of move it to the new staff. And at that point, I believe I was a, I was a junior. Mm-hmm. He had Alex Ward was a, a senior or fifth year at that point, I think. Uh, Osteen was older too. He was a senior. And I think just the age that we had in the room were a lot more mature um, with a lot more mature guys. We kind of met Blackman, you know, sat down with him, had a, had our chats about the current standing and everything like that. But at the end of the day, when you hit the practice field, it's game time. You got to go. Um, doesn't matter who's coaching. If you don't perform, you're not performing. Um, and we kind of find that out this year, too. So but at the end of the day, I love the new coaching staff. I think they're all a great, great bunch of guys. They brought in a couple of new kickers that year, too. Uh, mm-hmm. Riker Casey, Boniel. When you see them. Every year, bringing in a new kicker, how, does that make you? I mean, obviously, you're a competitive guy, mm-hmm. but does that you know put doubt in your head, or is that kind of just expected? It's college football; they're going to do that anyway. Um, a little bit of both, you know. It's it's a little bit of you know why are they trying to replace me? What what's going on? Um, you know, sometimes there's some questions, but like I said, at the end of the day, I have to perform. You know, just like everybody else on the team. You know, if you're not performing, you're not going to play, um, and I think having those guys come in, uh, they were both great guys. You know, we all get along to this day still. Um, but at, at the end of the day, like I have to perform. And I think those guys come in, push me even a little bit harder um, because I knew nobody's spot was safe and I had to earn it once again. I don't think you even attempted a field goal the first couple games of that season last year. But then we get to Navy and <laughs> we run a fake field goal right before halftime. It was like third and 13 or 14, whatever it was. You get the ball and you run with it. Just go through that whole play with us and tell us exactly what happened. So 
running out there, I didn't know we were faking it until I was about five yards onto the field. And I hear him yelling, like, it, it, we're running, we're running. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Just sprint out there. <laughs> and I look up at the play clock, and there's five seconds left. And I'm telling Alan Curvin, the holder, I was like, let's go, let's go. Like, we're, we don't have time. And so I don't, I don't even remember taking my steps because I kind of just jumped back there so fast. I didn't get to get to look where anybody was at, but we ran it and <laughs> obviously didn't go exceptionally well, but we got what, 12 or 13 yards. And you got, you got 13. Getting, we yeah. needed 14. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I purposely went out of bounds and touched my toe down on purpose so we could kick it. <laughs> um, but I remember being, I was a little bit winded and, the Navy coach took all three of his timeouts and I was like, thank you, man. I really appreciate that. Uh, letting me catch my breath a little bit, but uh, fun play. That's the only fake I ran. Um, obviously wish I could have been in the end zone, but maybe if I was a little bit more of an athlete, I could have gone in there, but um, oh, we got to glad I got to kick the field goal right after as well. How many times do you guys practice those fakes during the week? Is that every, every week? Day. <laughs> every day. I mean, we, as like special teams, we have fakes. I've written up every week. Um, sometimes they're the scheme of the other teams a little more, uh, prone to running the fake than others, but we're running it every week just so we know that in the chance it does get called, we, we know how to operate it. And even in that play, Alan Kirvin had a great toss and everything, everything worked well until I had to be an athlete and outrun a guy. You have any fakes where you were supposed to throw the ball? I wish I tried to convince them and I never got to it. (laughs) As a kicker, do you want to run a fake? I mean, obviously you're there to kick, right? That's obviously yeah. your specialty. Do you want to run a fake? Are you excited when that call comes in? Or are you like, oh, come on, I want to kick this? No, it, it was fun. I, I, I'm definitely glad it happened. And like I said, it only comes around once every blue moon. Um, I don't think we ran any fakes this year unless I'm missing something. But um, I was glad it happened. I was looking forward to it. I was like, this is going to be exciting. I'm going to score a touchdown. Obviously I didn't, but uh, definitely glad it happened. I don't know if we ran a fake this year. We, we we tried to draw somebody off sides on a 64 yarder. I don't know if you call that a fake. I'm not sure how you how you'd classify that in the well, playbook. It was an accident. Is what okay. That was. <laughs> All right. Yeah. We'll call it an accident. It happens. Uh, obviously, after the Navy game, uh, you uh, you had a really big kick against ECU the next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, puts us within three late. Obviously, Mikey Keene and Mark Anthony Richards were able to to finish that one off for the victory. And then the final game of the year against the Cows. Uh, you have another big kick, which pushes up four, which forces them to have to go down and score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Goal line stand, we win the game. Of those two kicks, do you have one that's your favorite? Which of those two kind of sticks out in your mind most? Um, definitely, I would say UCF or against USF. Um, and the funny part about that game, I believe I missed one as well. Looking at the replay, that kick went in. If you watch the TV broadcast, it looked like it went in. And on the field, I was I was kind of stunned that they called it no good. And I went up to him and I was like, hey, what that was that not in? And he goes, well, technically they extend the upright higher. And since the kick went over the top of the upright, even though it was on the inside portion of it, if it even goes above the uprights a little bit and hits that extension of the goalpost, we have to call it no good. And I said, but it was in. And he said, yeah, we probably could have let that one slide. And I was like, are you, are you kidding? You know, I, I thought it was in on the field, but I'm just glad I got to make the next one and we got out of there with the win. And the Gasparilla Bowl, you uh, you step up big again. Uh, you hit a bunch of kicks. Obviously, you hit one in the third quarter, which essentially puts UCF in the lead. We never look back. You have a, a field goal to ice the thing. We win 29-17. Um, were those the biggest kicks of your career? Thinking back on it now, were those two kicks particularly? And what was at stake, you know, playing a Florida team, right? Gasparilla Bowl game. Were those two of the bigger kicks of your career? 
I would absolutely say so. I think that UF game was the most electric, uh, fun, and proud moment I've had as a Knight. Um, that game was a blast, and I was just glad I could go, what, three for four and barely missed a 50-yarder off to the right. But that game was an absolute blast. I'm, I'm glad we came out the way we did, and I'm glad I could contribute the way I did. What what was your range if you know before games? What you know uh, as you kind of time things out? What was your range? What was kind of the high end where you felt really comfortable? If you got put into the game, you could you could knock it down. In high school, I set the school record for a fifty four yarder, um, and I I felt comfortable all the way up to like fifty eight because really, um, just with leg strength and leg speed, it's kind of the same kick. It really is. So as long as the wind's not in our face or whatnot, I would tell the coach I'm good up till just about 60 yards, uh, depending. But that's another thing that people don't really recognize is you come in and there is a trust factor with the head coach. Um, like Gus at um, Auburn had the Carlson brothers for eight years straight. And, you yeah. know, those guys are absolute studs. So there is a little bit of a trust factor there where even though I'm a junior, it's my first year with uh, Coach Malzahn and after I have to earn the trust with hypo and now I have to kind of start over and get it with him. So I was glad I got to attempt that. Like I said, wish the results could have been a little bit better, but there's a little bit of a trust thing going on in there. So in going into this season, they bring in another kicker, Colton Boomer this time. Um, What was the battle like this season going into the spring? So going into the spring, you know, it's, it's, he's here to play. He's not here to, you know, just kind of cheer me on and say, it's all your job, but like, good job. Um, and really spring was tough. I, di- I really didn't kick that much. Um, I battled the back injury and tried my best. Did a, only, I think, less than half of the practices. Barely got in for the spring game. And I remember my dad came out to watch me play, and I was trying my hardest to kick. And after warm-ups, I was like, I, I can't go. You know, it, it's there's no use putting me out there at this rate because I, my back was in such bad shape. I didn't kick a football all summer, um, was strictly rehab, tried my best, finally got in a spot to get back to um, get ready for fall camp. I think I only kicked the week prior to fall camp. Um, so I went through it and just battled it out. You know, all this season, even through practices and stuff has been tough. Um, and I'm sure you guys will ask next about Boomer going in, but you know, at the end of the day, I can say, you know, they didn't have my back or they were they were rooting for him or whatever I want to say. But when the new guy comes in and doesn't miss a stinking kick, it's kind of hard to argue. Um, they obviously made the better decision for the team. And in, in the moment, it really it hurt. You know, it, it kind of stinks to stare that in the face and say, hey, it's not your game anymore. Um, but at the end of the day, I think they made the best position best uh, decision for the team. Like even Riker went out and had a one heck of a season. Um, I, I don't think even then, like through fall camp, I didn't attempt one kickoff because I was uh, unable to, you know, so we get up to the, I don't think those decisions were made till the week of the game um, on who was starting. Um, it was a battle those guys, hats off to those guys, Riker and Boomer, because those guys absolutely deserved it. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned he didn't miss a kick. Just admit to us, I mean, nobody's listening to this anyway. If part of you kind of root for him, hey, can you miss at least one, miss something? And when he maybe misses that 63-yard, you're like, okay, I feel a little better? You know, at the beginning uh, through fall camp, it was a little bit like that. Like, you're kind of sitting there like, I hope the best for the kid, but I also want to play, you know. And sure. week three, I'm like, I, are you kidding me? I didn't find out till I think, the day before the game that they're going to go with Boomer. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, what the heck? 
Um, I can say what I want, but honestly, when you get to the game, you just want the team to win. You know, it obviously I wish I was out there helping the team and making a bigger contribution. But when Boomer got out there, it's like I, I hope that nothing for the best of it. Or I'm always rooting for him. And even when he hit a ball weird or I think his first game he missed that PAT, I, he came on to sign that. He's like, dude, what's going on? I was like, relax, okay? You got excited. You picked your head up. That's it. Move on. You were smoking everything in Warlords. You kicked that amazing field goal. I think when you go two for two or three for three in his first game, yeah, um, something like that. But he absolutely deserved it. And they're both good guys. It wasn't like they're hang, holding over my head, like giving me a hard time. Um, both good guys. And I was just a pleasure pleasure to work with both of them. And even though I wasn't playing, I thought I was, the, I was one of the older guys there and had most experience. So it was just good to pass that along to Boomer and Riker as well. Obviously, kicking's got to be a lot about confidence. It's a very, probably very psychological. You're in your own head. Mm-hmm. You, you missed that kick in Louisville earlier in the year. When you step out on the field, do you feel it? Do you, are, you have yourself – are you thinking about, it? man, I can't miss another one, or you kind of just – you have to find a way to block that out, I'm guessing, right? You know, it is tough, and even just like baseball, sometimes you can get into a slump and where you struck out last time, and you're like, oh, I can't strike out again. And it, sometimes it does build, and that's the, the hardest part of the game. And no matter anything the fans say or anything anybody wants to tell you, um, I think I'm me and all kickers alike um, are probably tougher on ourselves than anybody else can be. So it's definitely all about confidence and um, being able to clear those things out. But at the end of the day, you just have to make your kicks and do what you can. And I don't think on the field I'm like, oh, my goodness, like I can't believe this happened or whatnot. I'm saying, you know, I got this. I know what I'm doing. I can I'm fully capable of making this kick. You mentioned obviously, um, you know, coach was making a switch. Uh, how, how you said you learned the, the day before the game, how does that conversation take place as a kind of coach probably in the office and give you the news? How were you kind of informed or, or kind of let to know that that Colton will be taking the, the kicks at FAU? Mm-hmm. It's kind of kind of just like that, just like you would you would think it is in the movies, but um, he kind of just pulled me aside and said, Hey, I think we're gonna give Boomer a shot and see what he can do. That doesn't mean you're done, that doesn't mean we're not gonna look back at you. I mean. The next three weeks in practice, I was still grinding. Like, I, I still deserve that spot. I still want to be that guy. And we were just go. I still, you know, every game of the week, it's it's prepare like you're going to play. You know, same thing with Mikey. He's not taking days off. You know, I'm not taking days off. I'm still working just in case some, some freak accident was to happen. I'd be ready to go in. As a teammate, Mike kind of touched on this, right? How – how, how are you sort of uh, – I know you want to help Colton Boomer at this point, right? You want to give him guidance, but to Mike's point, you also kind of want to play. How do you navigate that relationship, right, uh, where you, you want to be there, you want to be a good teammate, you want to be a brother, mm-hmm. but there's still a party that's trying to figure out a way that you can get back on the field? You know, and I was lucky to have that kind of experience with uh, Barnes at the beginning sure. of my career because obviously it's, it's hard to be best friends with somebody who just took my spot, you know, and it definitely hurt. And it's, it's like, I don't want to talk to you. Why would I want to talk to you? You just stole my job, you know. Um, and it took a little bit. You know, I'm still cheering him on, still trying to be positive. But I, I'd be lying if I, if I was saying I went in with a my chin up, like, yeah, this is great. You know, it stinks, you know, getting your job taken. It does. Um, but just being able to, after a few games, you know, it's like, hey, this is the last season. This probably might be the last time I'm ever on a football field, you know. Uh, I just have to enjoy it and do everything I can. And at the end of the day, the team's winning. It's not the kicker one, you know. So being able to help Boomer, I think, and just be positive and 
give him tips and advice and things that I learned and how I approach things as well. Um, and he's, he's been nothing but respectful. Um, you know, he doesn't have a big head on his shoulder or anything like that. And he's just a very humble guy. So it's, it's, it's easier to work with him. And it comes a time where it's not me against you. It's us for the team. And what, I think once we kind of both accepted that, then we were headed in the right direction. We had some big wins this year. The game against Cincinnati at home, on the road against Tulane, and mm-hmm. Memphis was a big one. We looked like we were hot there for a while. Right. And then Navy happens. Second year in a row, we lose to Navy. I know you guys couldn't have been overlooking them coming off last year. What exactly happened that day? It couldn't have just been the 11 a.m. start, right? Uh, no, it was not the 11 a.m. <laughs> start. And it really comes down to every single day, no matter who you are, you can win or lose the football game. And when you don't come out and play like a, the championship team we could be, um, and that's exactly – you can get beat. And that's really exact, exactly what happened, kind of like uh, when App State beat Michigan and all these famous upsets. It's you don't bring your game, and you don't bring the game together as one team instead of 11 guys. Um, you can get beat by anybody. And the fans all season were having a debate. Mikey Keene, John Rice Plumley, you guys are there in practice every day. We hear different things coming out of the, the locker room, maybe from sources. These guys think this guy should be starting. These guys think this guy should be starting. How much talk was that in the locker room? Is there a lot of debate going on inside between the guys? You know, just, hey, I think maybe this guy should be the, the quarterback this week. Um, there's not as much as you would think. You know, both of those guys are extreme athletes, and they're amazing at what they do. And I think in, in the locker room perspective, I think at the end of the day um, – the majority of the guys knew we could win no matter who was playing. And I think as well, it was kind of no matter who they put in, I'm going to do my job and take care of my assignment and I'll let them do the rest. And once I don't, I really don't think it mattered um, who was in at what game or when they made switches, whatnot. Um, We both knew both those guys could take us where we wanted to go. Let's talk transfer portal NIL for a second. You're, you're kind of a unique position. You came in obviously in 2019 before all those rules were formally in place, right? I think there's always been rumors about stuff behind the scenes, right? Before formal rules were in place, you were on the team. Obviously, then you're on the team when the NIL comes into play, when the one-time transfer comes into play. How did you see things change just in your four years in college football and the sort of the year and a half you had pre-NIL and the year and a half you've had post-NIL? It, you know, it was a very unique experience. Um and I like what they're doing. I think that a lot of kids bring so much to the university and so much to the fans that I think they deserve it. I think now some payments are a little bit outlandish, but I, I mean, I am glad to see that some kids are getting the money that they deserve. Truly. Is it a distraction? I mean, is, I, again, as fans, we have this, this, this whole thing that you guys are in the locker room with your calculators out, like figuring out how much money you're making that week and mm-hmm. on the phone with agents talking about, is it a distraction in the locker room? Is it something that people are talking about? Is it something you're hearing in whispers like, Hey, so-and-so maybe going here for such and such is, is it, is it as clandestine as we like to think it is? Uh, not really, you know, obviously everybody would love to get paid. And I think more, you know, I don't, I can't speak for other schools, but in our locker room, at least it's, you know, if some we hear, hey, this guy's getting paid or this not or whatever it may be, it's good for him. You know, I'm glad he's here. I'm glad he's a part of our team. And I am I love what he has to offer for us. Um, the way, you know, I don't, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but at least at UCF, 
Um, I think that they just, if guys are getting money, it's not, I'm holding it over your shoulders. I make more money in you. Cause I'm sure there was guys that weren't getting paid anything. They were getting more play time than some of the other guys. And at the end of the day, like I said, it's, it's not bragging rights. It's okay. You're getting paid. So what we're all here for the same goal. What about rumors from like other schools from guys maybe saying, Hey, you know, I heard I can get such and such from this place. Is there, are there, is there that kind of conversation that, that kind of permeates the locker room? Uh, it really doesn't happen as much as you might think after reading the news articles and everything. I don't think that happens as much really. Um, but in the case that it does, once again, I think guys are at UCF for a reason and I don't think it's for the fame or the glory. I think it's to win football games. You announced this week that you're entering the transfer portal yourself. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things you're looking for in your next school? Do you want to move back closer to home in Arizona? Is there a certain uh, thing you want to study? What's going on? You know, first things first, I, ha- I waited until now to put my name in because I wanted to finish my degree here and um, just be able to graduate with a degree. I'm not sure what the future holds for me. I still have to take care of a few things, but I'm still training. You know, I'm not real picky about where to go, but I'd love to go to a, a new program and just contribute to win some football games. There's nothing against UCF. I wish I would stay or I would, would have loved to stay before the season. If you would have asked me, I would have stayed another year and seen things out for a fifth year. But now with the way this th- things went this season, you know, it kind of passed the torch a little bit. Um, I have nothing against UCF. I really want to stay. It just so happens that that's not the, we're not in the same situation anymore. So looking forward to getting my degree and just kind of seeing what else is out there and seeing where I can contribute. What did you study while you were here? Uh, industrial engineering. Oh, nice. So yeah. when's the graduation? It's coming up soon? Yep. In May, May, beginning of May, I believe. So one semester to go, four classes left and three with a UCF stamp on it. You got a little senioritis yet? You getting antsy? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Earlier, Dan, you said that um, after that Memphis game, that that was kind of a turning point in your career. Why, why do you think that was a turning point in your career? What, do you, what, did, what was the, the other side of that, uh, that game for you? So, you know, it's one thing to have your own confidence, and it's one thing to have people have confidence in you. You know, and I think truly, if I make that kick, you know, I'm the best thing UCF's ever seen. Everybody loves me. Everything's good. Everybody has confidence in me. My confidence goes up. And then you miss the kick and you're the worst kid ever. No one loves you. Like it's, it's such a extreme higher, extreme low. It's tough when, you know, even against Florida, I go three for four and guys are still in my DMs saying, you know, you missed a kick, you stink. And, you know, you wish you, you have the good intentions of fans that, you know, they support their players. And it's not always true. You know, I think you see have this great fan base, but there's also those outliers that will let you hear it no matter what the occasion is. I mean, you could you could go four for four and they'll still text you about Memphis and say, hey, remember when, you know. Um, and while I'd like to say you just bounce back from that sort of thing, it, it's not as easy as it might look. And when constantly you're, you're walking around and people are like, oh, you remember that one game when you do that stupid thing and blah, blah, blah. It's not the most easy thing to get over. And I think just confidence wise and personally mental game and all that stuff, it, it, it takes a big chunk out of. Um, out of your confidence, you know, I think I make that kick. I'm on the top of the world. I have the confidence and I'm like, I know I can do it. Everybody loves you. It's guys patting you on the back every day when you walk through the hallways and whether you like it or not, it just, it makes a change. 
If you had to sum up your UCF career in three words, what three words would you use? You know, that's tough. Um, I don't know about three words, but I'll say it was an absolute joy. Um, truly, the guys you get to meet. You know, I got to play with Gabe Davis and Dylan Gabriel, and I got to play with Alex Ward. I got to meet some amazing coaches. You know, it's obviously I would have liked to be, you know, set records, you know, coming in. I was like, I can do this. You know, I'll set the records for this, that, and the other and be the best ever here. And obviously things didn't go the way I wanted, um, which obviously hurts to say. But at the end of the day, what a beautiful experience it was, you know, to beat Florida, to go to four bowl games in four years is not not a lot of teams can say that. And to be able to just step on the field even once was a true, truly a blessing. And it was just a joy to meet such a wonderful fan base and attend such an amazing school. Was it fun? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, there were some not fun parts about it. But at the end of the day, I wouldn't have changed it for a thing. All right, let's have some fun with you now. Obviously, we've uh, we've got some rapid fire questions, Daniel. I don't know if you're familiar with our show, but what we do is we end every show with some rapid fire, and there's some rapid, more random, I guess, music, movies, sports, comic books, video game. You never know what you're going to get here. So, we've got a, a fresh batch of rapid fire questions for you. I'm going to start off first, okay? So, if Daniel Obarski is going to the movies, and I give you 25 bucks. What's your what's your snack situation? Are you going popcorn, drink? You going nachos? You going candy? Give me the snack lineup. Twenty five bucks at the movie theater. Extra large popcorn, uh, extra butter, extra salt, <laughs> which some people won't say. Are you watching your yeah. sodium? Okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah, not at all. But yeah, popcorn is the absolute go to snack. And depending on the day, either a Sprite or an icy. So no candy, you're you're not, no, no candy, no sour candies, all the popcorn. Okay. I respect that. I'm a popcorn guy myself. I respect that. 25 bucks. You don't have enough to get any other at the movie theaters nowadays. That's it. You're getting popcorn and that's it. That's awesome. Right. Um, All right. NFL playoffs are kicking off this weekend. Give me your Super Bowl prediction. Oh, that's tough. I haven't watched as much as I would have liked to. Um, I like the Bills. I like watching Gabe go score touchdowns. Um, but Super Bowl prediction, I don't know. You got the Chiefs, right? I, I definitely don't, don't follow the NFL as closely as you might think. But um, who are the one seeds? It's the Bills or the Eagles. Eagles and I don't Chiefs, think yeah. the Eagles got it. Um, I don't I think like they that. have the depth. Or not depth, but shoot. I might have to go with the Bills. I think they're, they're getting closer and closer every year. I think this is definitely a year they can just put it all together. All right. When you play, I don't know if you play video games. When you play Madden, a lot of people pick their team based on the quarterback, based on the running back. Do you pick your team based on the kicker? <laughs> you know, that's a great question. And I will tell you right now, I am absolutely terrible at Madden. I can't read a coverage. I can't make an audible. I stink. But absolutely, I will take that for the kicker. Um, love playing with the Chiefs or sure. the Ravens. Um, so are you one of those guys where, you know, it's it's fourth and one and you're like, yeah, let's kick it. Are you like third down? Let's kick it anyway. Are you always kicking the field goal in Madden? No, no, I'll, I'll still go for it. I'll still go for it. But I definitely pay a little extra attention on the, the PATs and the kickoffs just to make sure. All right. If I was going to have a karaoke party and you had to go up there and sing a song, what are you singing? You know, that's a good question. Um, 
touched by an angel by what is his name i don't even know is that charlie wilson maybe no fooled me yeah i I take your word for it give me one second yeah by charlie wilson touched by an angel absolute great one can i give us a couple lines here (laughs) absolutely not (laughs) (laughs) i didn't say it would be good but i would try all right, let's say you know, you're know you having a, a bad day. Maybe you get a bad grade on one of your tests or flat tire in your car or something, and you have to call one of your teammates just to make you laugh. You just want to laugh. You just want to hear something funny. You get one phone call to make you laugh. Which teammate are you going to call? To laugh would probably be Tyler Paul, the most ridiculous good choice. I've ever met. It's a good choice. His, his, his Twitter handle is just, just drives me crazy with the threes and the fours, and it's all over the place. What would Tyler do to make you laugh, you think, if you called him? He would just say the weirdest stuff, that, like just he's most unpredictable kid I've ever met. And I hope he hears me down the hall right now. But uh, dude can make anybody laugh. All right, what's your favorite hangout spot around UCF? You guys just going to you know let loose for a night? Where are you going? Um, you know, there's a lot of good spots. I always love Bar Louie. Bar Louie's fantastic. Bar Louie and Hobbs are probably the best. I, I go there probably twice a month each, <laughs> but I love those places. All right. I'm not sure if this is going to be offensive, so I apologize in advance. Uh, in your career, you were number 98. Not exactly the the sexiest number from a football standpoint. Did you ever want to switch numbers? Was there any significance behind you wearing 98? I definitely did want to switch. <laughs> but, um, you know, in high school or in hockey, I always wore 87. So freshman year, I tried to get 87, got 88. And sophomore year, I think I got 89. I was like, okay, whatever. Uh, And then I actually got 87 finally on um, junior year. Then we go into senior year, got a new head coach. And the the day that we had to stay late and pick out jerseys, um, I left practice early to make it to hockey practice. And I came back and he goes, Oh, we have like 42, like 73 and 98. I was like, well, 98 is kind of symmetrical, I guess. Went with that. Uh, coming into college, they asked me, give me your top three choices. And I think I said like 18, 19, and like 17 or something ridiculous. And I showed up first day, name of the locker, everything. Uh, you're number 98. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> um, and kind of was thinking about switching and then my family and all my relatives bought 98 jerseys. And I was like, I guess I just have to see it through. So. All right. We've had guys come on here before and do impressions of coaches. I don't know if you do anything. Do you do a, a good Gus Malzahn? Can you give us one of his pregame speeches or something? Well, I can, I'm, I'm terrible at the impressions, but I will say he does say some funny things. I love the boom. That's been iconic over the year. Um, I guess last two years, but I love the good old booms in the locker room and on the field and stuff. Those are fun. It sounds like he doesn't say the word darn. He says the word dern. In a press conference, I thought have sworn he said that you guys would play in a dern Walmart parking lot. Am I, am I mishearing that or does he say dern more than darn? No, he does. He does. And I think it's that Southern charm he's got, um, but definitely is a little bit of that. And sometimes it's a little funny because things come out a little different, but he's, he's a good dude. I love him. 
I also, I noticed in that locker room stuff that that was, you know, UCF put up after the game, right? He'd get in there and he'd talk about the offense, the defense, right? Did, does the booms. And for a while, it was the D block was the nickname for the defense, right? And then I heard the offense, they were calling themselves the O show. Did you all have a specialist nickname? Or was there something for you all? I mean, like I heard D block, O show, and mm-hmm. I heard shouting back and forth. Were you, Alex, Andrew, Mitch, like in the corner, just yelling in a whisper? Like what was going on there? You know, as a freshman and sophomore, um, with Barnes and the older guys, um, you know, how we had UCF fast or UC fast, UC fierce, I think, uh, we were always the un- unsung UC fly, um, but never really stuck and never really got around. But at the end of the day, we're just the specs and we loved it. I would have gone UC foot on that one. That would have been good too. <laughs> Start out there. The long snappers would have disagreed. <laughs> That's fair. Um, all right. If you had a superpower, what would it be? Um, I would say the ability to pause time because no matter what, I think if you can pause time, then you can do pretty much every other superpower. Super speed, well, time's time stopped. You can get there. Um, you want to fly? Well, time stopped. You can just get a plane or a helicopter or something and do it anyways. So I think that's got to be the go-to. Wow. He's thought of this before. Yeah, he's thought of this before. That's a good answer. All right, I'll get you out of here in this one, Daniel. Better dresser, Coach Heupel or Coach Malzahn? Depends. Does a, a vest and visor count as uh, well-dressed? As much uh, as a shacket does, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's all it's all relative, I guess, right? You know, I'm going to have to go with Gus Malzahn there, though. Okay. Okay. Did you guys make fun yeah. of Heupel's shacket, too, or is that just a fan thing? I think it's just a fan thing. I think at the end of the day, we got our jerseys on. We're not really looking. <laughs> That's fair enough. Dan, we appreciate you taking some time. Obviously, your honesty and, and a bunch of questions tonight and, and sharing a lot about your story with UCF. Uh, obviously, super excited for you to uh, move on to the, to the next step. And I know a bunch of people will be rooting for you. Congrats on the degree. Congrats on finishing a big part of your life. And uh, obviously, don't be a stranger around Night Nation, uh, even though there may have been some people out there from time to time, even Mike and myself probably, who, uh, who gave you a hard time. Uh, you're, uh, we, we, this thing now is once a night, always a night, but I think you, you qualify for once a night, always a night. Some people, I'm not sure if they qualify anymore, but I'll say right now you qualify for once a night, always a night. Well, thank you guys so much for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. It's been an absolute pleasure to play for UCF and it's been a pleasure to go to school here. So an absolute blessing in my life, uh, just having met you guys and all the UCF fans and just, just the opportunity to be a part of a a lovely program and a winning program has been truly life-changing. So thank you all. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Daniel. Go nights. Go nights. Charge on. Okay. Sons of UCF, both of you, you are the father. All right, Mike, let's, uh, let's get some cow of the week out of the way here. Before we get to that though, um, a couple of, a uh, couple of items, uh, to, to clean up here housewise, make sure you are involved with charge on XYZ. Go to their website, charge XYZ. Uh, they have subscription plans you can get to. They're offering exclusive giveaways. They're going to get some basketball stuff working here in the near future. Um, we've had a chance to work with them a little bit behind the scenes um, on some stuff. Mike, they've been really cool partners. Obviously, they're trying their best to do what they can for UCF in the NIL space, offer some unique experiences. 
Um, so chargeon.xyz. Make sure you go sign up, um, get your name in there. There's a leaderboard. You can have the opportunity to get yourself involved in some pretty cool stuff. Uh, I got a sneak peek at some of the things they're planning here in the next couple of months, Mike. Uh, some really cool experiences that you cannot get anywhere else. So chargeon.xyz is, uh, is where you want to go. Um, Daniel Labarsky, Mike, I, I said before the interview, I went into this thinking I kind of knew who Daniel Obarski was. And I left this interview with a completely different impression uh, of Daniel Obarski. And honestly, man, I left it feeling a little bit embarrassed because you and I got on the show a lot and talked a lot of crap about Miss kicks and all this other stuff. And then you kind of hear the kid talk and kind of listen to his story and kind of what he went through. Uh, and it just made me feel like a miserable human that there are people in his DMS, like sending him messages of all kinds of like nasty um, you know, profanity laced, um, you know, threats in some cases. Um, and for all intents and purposes, he seemed like a really good kid, right? A really smart, sound, solid kid, Mike. I, I definitely feel feel some guilt now having having spoken a lot about the way we did, but um, super impressive to hear some of his story and uh, kind of what he went through. Yeah, when you told me we're going to have Obarski on, I thought it was going to be the roast of Daniel Obarski, right? I mean... We all know the moments. We know the the missed kicks. We know about the the Quadri Jones incident and you know, the kicking out of bounds, all that stuff. And we went over all of that with him. But just a stand up kid, and he's dealt with so much at such a young age. I don't. I would have folded. I mean, people that go through that, I don't know how he's done it, and he's done it gracefully, and he hasn't really had you know come out and and I'm sure he could out a lot of people. We talked to him afterwards probably for like another 10 minutes. And he, he said he, he could probably show all these messages of people that sent him stuff and, you know, probably embarrass a lot of people with some of the things that they've said. Um, but he's a, a, just a good kid. I, I'm going to be rooting for him for sure for the rest of his life. I think he's going to be a very successful kid because he's already gone through a lot of tough times himself and he's come yeah. through it. Uh, it's going to be hard to break him for sure. So um yeah I, I definitely think differently about him he was on the the zoom call before i even got on <laughs> yeah and he was a, he was there that's early. not surprising to anybody mike <laughs> he, he's, he's a little he was early he's got a little o'leary in him even though he never played for o'leary um but just an all-around solid kid answered every question you know didn't back away from anything didn't say i don't want to talk about this or that um just a solid individual and you can tell he's going to be very successful in his career, wherever he goes. Yeah. If there's anybody on the UCF's team that I would understand if they want to stay away from the quote unquote media, right? Like he would be on that short list because there are questions about things that, you know, I'm sure we all want to ask. And you and I never know going into these conversations, you know, we always plan out, Hey, let's, you know, let's talk about this. We'll ask about this. And we never know what we're going to get, right? We never know what people are going to say. If they're going to say, Hey, I don't want to talk about that. Or they're going to basically just say, Hey, I'll, you know, keep it moving. Um, and to your, to your, to, to your point, to his credit, he answered every question, you know, gave us an honest answer. Um, you know, I think he, he tried his best to be transparent with what he was going through. Um, and yeah, it was, it was super impressive. And I, and now I, I feel the, a twinge of guilt for any time that we, you know, we, we said something about him or he missed a kick. Um, you know, it was, it was clear he didn't go out there with the intent to, to try to do that. 
um, and and sort of the way things have kind of broke for him. Hopefully, to your point, it's got a happy ending. Uh, he's he's graduating here in uh, in the spring. Um, he's obviously got a. Uh, uh, I think this was off air. He told us he was a uh, um, or maybe it was on air. Um, he was an engineering major. Um, he's looking at career options outside of school as well too. So um, sounds like this story hopefully comes to a happy ending. And and to your point, he has an opportunity to um, you know to to find. You know that next phase of his life. I was surprised at how much he was a hockey fan. Like he kept, he kept talking about hockey after you and I. To your point, we we ended the interview and we talked to him for another like 10, 15 minutes. He probably talked about hockey for like seven of it. And how much he loved the sport. How how much he wished he could play. Um, and, and so I thought it was interesting to kind of hear his competitive nature and 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 how kicking sort of made him have to be a competitor differently and 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 maybe how that played with him as well. But um, again, super super good kid, man. I. I I felt a twinge of guilt after everything we've talked about what he's been through. Um, you know, having, having learned that certainly, yeah, it makes you think differently about it. Yeah. Kickers get crap a lot. Oh, they're not really football players, but they deal with some tough things. I mean, the, when they're on the field, everybody is looking at just them. They're, you know, you're not paying attention to the offensive line or, you know, and any other play you watch the quarterback, but you're also watching the receivers and the running back. When the kicker's out there, they're on an island by themselves. And a lot of times the whole game relies on that one play and they can't mess up. I mean, other players can mess up four or five times a game and you don't even notice it. But the kicker's got so much on their on their shoulders. It's it's a tough place to be. And to, to handle the adversity that he's done, you got to give him credit for that. Um, great kid, though. Uh, and, you know, I'm sure he's going to be fine no matter what. And, you know, once a night, always a night for sure with Daniel Obarski. Yeah, he'll always have um, have my respect uh, and uh, and hopefully he, he lands in a good spot, Mike. But typically cows don't land in good spots, right? That's why they're the cows of the week, right? We find something that's funny, something that made us laugh, something that made us cry, something that made us shake our heads, maybe all of the above. Uh, you typically lead off with something uh, that is cow worthy for you, Mike, and I'll let you do the same this week. All right. A lot of big games to end the NFL season this past weekend. Um, some teams needed to win to get in. It was very exciting. Uh, a lot of stuff. I actually did very well for myself. Uh, some season-long pools. Okay. <laughs> I, need, I needed some things to go my way. I was cursing um, Dexter – what's his name? Uh, Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, yep. Trevor Lawrence for the Jaguars because I, I had the Jaguars minus six and a half, and he – just had wide open guys in the end zone that he couldn't hit. And I was all pissed off on Saturday night. Sunday came around and I needed a couple things to go my way and worked out well for me. And one of the reasons it did is because this other person I was going against had the uh, Indianapolis Colts to cover against the Houston Texans and the Houston Texans who are in line to get the number one pick in the NFL draft the next year. All they have to do is lose. All they have to do is lose to Jeff Saturday. They've done enough of that this year, yeah. And we're losing for the majority of that game. We're losing at the end of that game. Somehow throw up a, a Hail Mary from about 40 yards out on 4th and 20. And our boy, actually, Jordan Akins, comes down wow. with the touchdown. <laughs> and then they go for two and get it. And they win, costing themselves the number one pick in the draft next year when they probably could use to get a quarterback, right? And who is the quarterback of Houston? I don't even know. Davis Mills. All right. You're telling me they're, <laughs> they're happy with Davis Mills? I'm not telling you anything, Mike. I'm not telling you that at all. <laughs> so they could use that number one pick. Now it goes to Chicago, who probably doesn't need a quarterback, but will trade that pick to somebody who does 
to jump ahead of Houston and they who's going to be the the number one quarterback is it Bryce Young Bryce Young and CJ Stroud are uh, projected to be sort of one two right now all right well they just cost themselves the opportunity to to pick whichever one of those that they like the best by winning this game and really I mean what is the point of winning I, I don't understand sometimes you want your teams to lose and in a situation like that, if I'm a Houston Texan fan, at the end of the game, just, you know, okay, even if you score the touchdown, go for two, but kneel down and don't actually try to win the game, you know? Just take the loss. Take it as a, you know, we would have won, but um, we need the draft pick and go home and be happy with it. I don't know what they were doing. They're Calgary. Well, there's a backstory here, though, Mike. So their their head coach is Lovey Smith, who um, I reportedly prior to that game, he was trying to meet with the ownership group to figure out if he was going to be the head coach or not, if he would get another season with Houston. I don't know how those meetings took place. There could be a world by which he was told, listen, no matter what happens, brother, you're not our guy. We're going to move in another direction, right? Maybe just maybe Lovey's like, well, you know what? I'm not going to be here. Let's go for two. Uh, so I'm curious if there's any sort of like – hey, I'm going to win this game because that's what I do. I'm a football coach. We win football games. And if the front office was like, oh, my God, what is he doing? Like the owner can't run out on the field and call a timeout. He's got to let the play play out. So I wonder if there's any bit of Lovey Smith. I was like, oh, I'm fired. Oh, no problem. Let's go for two, right, and cost them the number one pick. Was, would you do that if you were UCF Mike head coach? You're about to get canned from your job. You know you're done. And you can just one little, one little middle finger out the door by going for two. Yeah, if you know they're getting rid of you. I understand why he did it. But even the guys on the team, I mean, they're going to be stuck there next year. Are they, though? I mean, like, are, is Jordan Aikens going to be there next year? Is Davis Mills going to be there next year, right? Like, in some respects, it's like it's like Major League. They're getting rid of us for all new players anyway, so we might as well just go out and play and do what we can do. <laughs> all this is over, by the way, if the Colts guy just knocks it down, right? The Colts defender goes up with, you know, with two hands. It goes right through his hands. Jordan Aikens could have caught it with his, with his eyes closed. I mean, that, it hit him literally in the chest. Colts knock it down. This thing is over and there's no there's no pick. But I think Lovey was like, oh, the door's open. Oh, I can. All right, cool. Like, let me go out on a banger. Any truth that that Colts guy was the guy from East Carolina a few years ago on the uh, Hale Perriman? Because he jumped just like him yeah, and yeah. just whiffed on it. <laughs> I cannot I cannot confirm nor deny but that, Mike. Uh, maybe, yeah. he, maybe he did that on purpose. At the Colts, you don't want the Houston Texans to have the number one pick. That's a team in your division. You know, hey. If I'm the Colts coach, if I'm Jeff Saturday, even though he's probably not coming back, let them win this game. Let them screw themselves. It'll help us out in the long run. Yeah, there's no way Saturday's coming back either, right? I got to assume if you're Houston, if if this was an organizational thing and they told them to go win, that must mean they're either happy with they, – they like Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud equally. Because um, it's also possible Chicago doesn't take a quarterback because they have Justin Fields. Um, so it's possible they use that someplace else and or trade that pick, which if they do, probably get a haul for that pick, Mike, if they really want to and, and get themselves some some more players. But um, interesting. I, I'm curious to find out if Lovey Smith ever will tell us or if anybody will tell us we were just like, screw it. We're not going to be here anyway. Let's go for two. Because I think that would be the way to go. If that's the case, I think I'd rescind your cow of the week. I need to hear that though. So I need just like the transfer portal form. I need that filled out specifically that that's what they did. Well, then the front office is cow of the week for letting him know before the game that you're not coming yep. back. We got to rescind yeah. and we got to move around. Yep, I'm with you on that. We got we got we got to move it around. Yeah, you can't be so dumb to tell the guy he's being fired and then he goes out and does something like this. You should have told had that conversation after the game. I agree with you. Yeah, I uh, I agree, Mike. Um, my cow of the week is none other. And one, John Rice Plumley. 
Oh, wow. JRP, cow of the week, Mike. Um, I don't know if you've seen this or not. Uh, actually, our good friends at Charge on XYZ in partnership with uh, with uh, Mercury, who is the, the sort of the company they work with. They had a nice little exclusive behind the scenes interview with John Rice Plumley of the UCF facilities. Mike, did you did you catch that? I did. I watched it all. I enjoyed awesome. it. it was good. Yeah, it was it's nice. Nice behind the scenes. Yeah, a good, good conversation. A couple things, though, Mike. Um, I'm not convinced that JRP really knows anything about UCF. <laughs> <laughs> one point he's asked how many people fit in the stadium he's like i don't know enough <laughs> that, that, that no clue right <laughs> he was trying to describe uh the stadium and he was like they play that song and people jump around i don't know what's it called and the the host guy was like zombie Na- yeah it's a Z- zombie nation yeah, yeah Jared, what do you what do you eat around here ah chick-fil-a i mean he had it seemed like he had no general knowledge of ucf or the sort of the ucf area he asked him a couple of questions that obviously predate jrp so i i kind of understand some of that stuff right uh, but it, it didn't seem like JRP was as well versed on UCF. I need my starting quarterback, if that's indeed who he is, to uh, to have some more knowledge, Mike. I need him to know it's called Zombie Nation, right? I need I need I need like hey, forty five plus fit in here, right? I need some numbers here, Mike. I, I did I like JRP. Yeah, how much does he really know? <laughs> All right. Well, the guy got here when not even a year he said in that interview he's been here just about a year yeah about a year right but at the whole time he's been here focused laser focused on being the quarterback he doesn't have Mm -hmm. time for this offseason like you know trivia night he doesn't know the name of the song is he probably doesn't even hear the song while the game's going on he's so focused and talking to the coaches and the players he brought it up he said the the thing shakes they play that song everybody (laughs) jumps and the guy was like what song is that and he was like ah the one i don't yeah i don't know all right, so he doesn't know the name of the song. I mean, it's not like a song with lyrics or anything. It's just, you know, you could know the song and not know the name of it. I, I can okay. see that. All right. All right. And actually, Zombie Nation, is that the name of the song? Or that's the yeah. name of the song, not the name of the group. A lot of people think it's uh, the name of the group, right? Kern Craft. Yeah. Either way, it's, it's, it's well known, Mike. Everyone sort of knows if you've been to sports arena, what that, and if you don't, it's a thing at UCF, right? It's like saying charge on, like uh, play zombie nation. Like it's, it's a thing. I feel like it's a staple of the football program. Right. All right. It's one of those rock jam songs. They play it at every stadium. I'm not saying they don't. Um, they don't. I just need my starting. Co- I need QB one to have a little bit more knowledge. Mike. just to, uh, like his, his favorite restaurant, Chick-fil-A is we're doing that. Mike, that's what we're doing. <laughs> Chick-fil-A, we're going there. Just PDQ, we're, we're, we're rolling a PDQ out there as our favorite restaurant? Come on. Well, he's also a, a college kid that I don't know how much money he has to go to actual nice restaurants. I mean, that's probably all they're going to is just... He's, the, he's doing know, okay. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's doing okay. These uh, chain restaurants, I mean, I don't know if he's going to sit down dinners and places like that. Plus, I mean, what restaurants are there around UCF? I don't even I don't know, know what's going on anymore. Make one up, Mike. Give me a give me. It wasn't Gus at a Mexican spot in, in downtown Winter Park with tableside guac. Name drop that place. <laughs> Get an NIL deal. Name something that you can work with, JRP. Use that opportunity. That's all I'm saying. All right. Okay. A couple other weird moments in that video. So you saw this video. So I'm I glad. I, I wasn't sure if you'd watch this or not. So I'm glad you saw it. I have a couple other things I need to talk to you about. Number one, I need a true or false. Is that the first time JRP's ever been in the players' lounge? Because it looked like the rest of the guys were like, "What the hell's he doing here?" It looked like that's the first time <laughs> JRP's ever stepped foot in the players' lounge. True or false? Um, I'd say false because he knew where that nap room was, and that's in the okay. players' lounge somewhere. Okay. Um, so I think he's been there before. It looks like he, he he's a ping pong guy. He likes to hang out in there. Okay, all right. So you think he's been there a few different times before? 
yeah, I would think at least a couple times. All right, there's uh, only two the inter- guys in there. Uh, no, there was like there were two guys playing ping pong. I don't know. We didn't see who they were. And then there was um, Jordan McDonald and and Isaiah Bowser playing Tonk. Yeah. So we need to figure that out. As he walked into every room, he said, what up with a dough or something along those lines. Like that was getting annoying. No. <laughs> yes, we can all agree. We can all agree. That was getting <laughs> annoying. That was good. Just say hello next time. We don't need you to, uh, to, to drop all these like fun sayings. Just say hello. Okay. I didn't even notice that. I probably didn't even know what he was saying. And my favorite part of the whole video is he's taking everyone past the, uh, and so this was shot according to what you can tell about 10 days before the bowl game. Right. That's, I think the timeline they're talking about, he, you know, he's like, let's go walk past the coach's offices. Right. You got Herb hand in there on the horn, some other guys in there. He walks past the defenses of offices. Nobody's in there, Mike, because we had no defensive staff at that point. I thought that was funny that he was like, yeah, the defense. Yeah, that's over here. Uh, and then he kept it on moving. So, uh, good tour i love to see behind the scenes stuff i you know the players on was cool i didn't know about some of the therapy stuff they had available to you i think that was cool um again i think the bounce house we kind of understand so it was a good tour i just need qb1 to be a little more dialed in on what's going on around that's all i'm saying a little more dialed in all right i mean i guess i guess i mean you want to show him a picture and he doesn't know who dante culpepper is then maybe i'm a little bit more questioning his stuff but to not know the name of the song, I could see him going blank there for a second. I, I don't know. He's not the one jumping up and down singing it like the fans are. You know, he's he's the guy if, on the floor. If some people had their way, Mike. He absolutely would be the guy <laughs> jumping up and down singing the song. Uh, I don't know, but I, I did like the, I like the video. I think he get, did a good job with it. Good tour. Um, I'd like to see some more of that stuff. What else is there? You know, baseball facilities, stuff like that. Probably nothing to see there. Yeah, I thought would have been cool. I think if they had gone over to baseball for a few minutes, right? But obviously, I, they're obviously focused on football. Um, they clearly didn't show uh, the um, the smaller locker room. They saw the game day locker room, which is probably um, you know probably important. I would have liked to have seen the Garvey Center, the nutrition place they're talking about. I've seen the outside when we walk past, but what's in there? What's available to you? Like, what do they have to eat? Um, he also called it UC Fuel or UCF Ool or something. I don't think he got the name right on UC Fuel as he was going there too. And he likes those core power uh, protein shakes. Those are gross. <laughs> you ever have one of those? I don't think so. Yeah, they're not good. They're actually not even really healthy, by the way. I'm surprised they let them have that. There's a bunch of additive stuff in there. But what do you Yeah, so they're all eating uh, goldfish all day. Whatever. And In the nap room, apparently, and where he hangs out, I guess. But uh, uh, the facilities... Was your... Was your favorite part not when the uh, I posted this one on social media too, and the guy was like, "So you cross your routes, you know? Do you you try to throw a, a, a good ball, an accurate ball, or do you, you know do you, do you try to do ball placement?" And he was like, "No, I just don't." <laughs> I mean, someone's got to edit that out. Someone's got to help JRP on that one. We got to edit that part out if you're going to be at UCF. Come on. Well, he says, "Do you do? You, are you thinking about throwing a good ball at the time?" I don't think he has time to think about stuff like that. I mean, yeah. you just got to kind of just trust. Yeah. In the offseason, I'm trying to throw it right. But in the game, well, let her rip. You know what I mean? <laughs> Someone's got to yeah. edit that out. Yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I see where the reaction is. But at the same time, you can't be thinking, oh, man, I got to fit this in perfectly over here. I mean, you just got to let it go and trust your, your – Listen, opponent. you just gave J.P. Gilbert so much ammo. That clip is going to be on social media all next football season if J.R.P. is quarterback. 
<laughs> Every but, game, you're going to see that two or three times. No, I mean, the clip has been out there, and I don't even know if he's used it yet, but from Spirit Splash, when he's throwing the ducks into the crowd. I, I'm actually surprised that one didn't get out there more. You are correct. I feel like that was another uh, faux pas that we could have corrected. I, I didn't see that that much this year, but, you know, maybe, maybe they're saving it for the right game. I don't know. Yeah, people will bring that one back. I'm yeah. surprised it hasn't been brought back right. Yeah. Well, Mike, what will be brought back is our live show. It's Thursday night this week, again, 8 p.m. Uh, we are on YouTube. Subscribe to that channel, by the way. We are on Facebook and we are on Twitter. That's at Sons of UCF, wherever you do that stuff. Uh, we got me, we got Mike, we got Trace, we got a gaggle of guests. We have audience questions. We have clips to play. We have a bunch of stuff to go over. Basketball, we'll, we'll figure out what's going on with the Memphis game. We'll know by that point in time. So set your calendar. Set a little thing on your watch, on your phone, whatever you do, 8 p.m. Thursday. Make sure you tap in with us so you can check out the uh, the live show, Mike. It's always a, a, a ravaging good time. Yeah, live show is always good. Trace is going to have some guests lined up for us, I'm sure, right? And we have a big basketball game to talk about. That's going to happen tomorrow or today when you people are listening to this. So um, big things still ahead. Big things still ahead. We got basketball seasons cranking up now. You got to give your full focus to this team now. I mean, they deserve it. They, they, they've been waiting. You know, football season's completely done now. Basketball season now. We are a basketball school, and then we'll be a baseball school, and then we'll be a tennis school. We'll move on with the seasons, but right now it's basketball time. So get ready. Wednesday night, big one. Tennis school. I didn't, I didn't see that one coming. I mean, we're good at this, right? Softball, yeah. Yeah, we're not bad, but I don't. Can you name one one guy in the tennis team or one person on the tennis team? I can't name one person that's ever been on the tennis team. Forget this. Can you? I think John Roddick's the coach. I know that. (laughs) I've heard Roddick is the coach. I was gonna say Lucas Duda, but that was a Mets first baseman, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't know why that came. That was the only name that came to mind, but I think he played for the Mets. Speaking of which, by the way, Carlos Correa signed eight hundred million dollars of contracts this (laughs) offseason. Yeah, I don't understand. I thought he was with the 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 Mets before that. He was with somebody else, and now he's gonna be with the Twins. He signed a 300 mil with the Giants, a 300 mil with the Mets, and now a 200 mil with the, with the Twins. If he has all three of those contracts and just plays like every night, now that is thinking differently. But uh, we're going to go figure that out off air. Don't worry about all that stuff. Just make sure you follow us on social media. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. We'd love for you to do that. And uh, tap in 8 o'clock on, uh, on the live show. Until then, everybody have a fantastic week. You all take care of each other, and uh, we'll hit you with a go night. Sure, John. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.